0: Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode four of Retro Hangover.
1: coming to you over the internet over the sweet sweet kilobits and megabits of the streaming service that you are listening to today i am joined by as always the slayer of the steam summer sale the one who's always staying fresh slamming it on splatoon shane koski (laughs) You're going to catch me off guard every week with one of these now. This is good. I like this. I'm going to try. And just because I didn't say my name, as always, I'm Chris Copeland, and we are here to provide you with entertainment for your ears. Mm. So fresh and so clean, clean. So, Shane, you're looking fairly fresh. Am I? Fairly fresh. Really?
0: I think, I don't know. It's a Splatoon reference. This is a reference I don't get. Maybe you should check out the game. It's pretty fun. Well, maybe yeah, like I didn't get it bought for me for Father's Day. Well, that's you should have kids. I do Actually, not feel don't, like that is a good don't, enough don't reason for Don't have kids. Don't do that. <laughs> that's right. Have kids so you can get games. Of course. That you'll never be able to play. For the kids. Yeah. Right. Actually, Splatoon is fantastic. I'm having a great time with it. That is what I've heard. Also, apparently they released a new weapon mm-hmm. or something like a week or, th- or a couple days ago. You know, I haven't been on that game in like a week. Well, I, evidently I, you're missing out.
1: I I, I know this. Right. I I think I logged on and got like the paintbrush is the last weapon I got. Mm. And uh, the NES zapper. Hmm. Which I, the NES zapper is really cool. I find that fun. My kid is playing the absolute crap out of it. He's loving it. He's
0: on, like, level 15, and he's playing ranked matches, and... I mean, I have heard good things. I haven't picked it up yet, but... I gotta say, I'm not so sure that I'm feeling quite as fresh as you seem to think I am. Um, I actually just got back this afternoon from Orlando, where I was there for about three or four days with the family on a vacation, which was cool. It was a lot of fun. Um, but I am admittedly pretty exhausted, so, uh... I guess I'm, I'm glad that I present a much fresher exterior.
1: Well, I mean, I was saying that just because of Splatoon. So if you're not feeling fresh, you're not fairly fresh. <sighs> well, fine. Fuck you, then. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're feeling not fairly fresh. Well, not glad, but you're <laughs> feeling like you look fairly fresh.
0: Are you not feeling fresh? Well, stay fresh.
2: Mm.
1: I don't know. I don't know why I keep saying that because there's probably a lot more memes from Splatoon. So. Probably. But it's good that you, you got back from Mickey Land. I did. And enjoyed it. Did you spend more
0: time in Disney? Head up Universal at all? Nope. Just did Disney stuff. Um, we did uh, Hollywood Studios the first day and then went over to uh, Epcot for the second day. Man, Epcot's awesome. It was. Especially when you go when you are old enough to drink. Yeah. Which is exactly what we did. <laughs> so, um, had a sampling of everything around the world. I like to think that I did it the smart way, though. This was my suggestion to my family. I was like, listen guys, if we're going to do this as much as I would like to be kicked out of Epcot for violently vomiting into the river by the time we get to Mexico, um, we should probably maybe not do that. So, uh, we took a little, we, we, we took in a little sample of the, of the food along the way as well. So I feel like we got the full world experience. Oh, the restaurants there are fantastic too. I will say out of all of them, I think the Mexican cuisine they have there was probably the best. I was actually really impressed with it. The one I went to, this was, it had to be at least like
1: 20 years ago now. I went to a restaurant. It was like in France. Mm-hmm. They had a restaurant there. It was, it was really good. And I wasn't drunk. Um, <laughs> Cause of course I was not old enough to drink. At that time. Right. But uh, I remember, like, we were having this chocolate molten lava cake, mm. and uh, the, the waiter had a very thick French accent. He may have been French himself. I don't know. He was just acting like he was French. But, uh, I don't know, man.
0: That's the thing, actually. Every country that we went to, everyone that worked in that country all like sounded like that they country. actually came from there. So it's possible. Yeah. I mean, do they smell like they came from there, too? All right. And that's your <laughs> racist minute for... <laughs> retro hangover podcast (laughs) but i was getting done
1: with dessert and uh i was like i'm too full i can't have any more and he's like oh just have another bite and i'm like oh okay and i had another bite and he's like isn't that good he's like oh it's so good and then like uh about two minutes later i was running to the bathroom i puked all over the walls excellent that was that's my memory from epcot that's my standout memory that's really the way you want to go. That is the way. No. I'm sure I can make new ones now I can drink. It's just the price of admission is uh, probably not too bad,
0: is it? Uh, for a two-day park pass, I think it ran me somewhere in the neighborhood of about $220. So, still not cheap. But no, but at least we live close enough. That we do. I, I yeah. could go down there
1: and get like a cheap hotel or sleep in my car with my wife. You you could do
0: that. Yeah, leave the kids up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's go to Disney without the children to get drunk. Yeah, <laughs> I mean all I'm around not, the world. We're not gonna hold that against you. And
1: then <laughs> go to Downtown Disney. So is you know we have the Steam Summer Sale going on. Any good
0: pickups? Mm, We do. Um. Yeah. I actually just made a couple purchases today. As a matter of fact, I missed the first couple days being out of town, but um, what did I get? I got. Costume Quest Two, pick that up because I liked the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, crap, I can't remember what the other thing was. I feel be, like it was more expensive. Good. Dude, I don't know. Man, <laughs> I have like two hundred and ninety something games on my Steam list. It's not even a matter. It's it's like just compulsive buying at this point. Well, everything's mm-hmm. compulsive buying. It's under three bucks. Well, it's like oh, it's only two and a half dollars. What's this? Well, it, it. I mean, yes, these. Weren't under three dollars, oh. so I should probably know what it was. That oh, I remember now. Yeah, Legend of Grimrock two. Oh, okay. That's what I got. It's like fifty percent off right now. I yeah, I got uh, the Legend of
1: Grimrock yesterday. The mm-hmm. first one it was like eighty percent off, so I only spent like two bucks on it. It's a good game. Yeah, I was uh, I actually no, that was this morning because I woke up at three o'clock in the morning.
0: And you did that? Why didn't you just buy the bundle? They had the bundle on sale for both. Oh. I did not know there was a bundle. I just saw that it was that, like right on the store page. Yeah, I didn't see that. Okay,
1: I I, I saw the first one was two forty nine, and the second one was still like like only half off, so it was only like eleven bucks. So I didn't think to buy the bundle, but I got the first one. It was like two and a half dollars, so I can't complain. And it was like nine hours left, so that was an impulse buy because by the time I would have come home, I wouldn't be able to get it anymore for the same price. Mm. So, um, but that's that's the game I got. And I'm probably going to get more
0: because what it you, ends on the 21st, something like that. Did you get anything in the first like couple days? No, I didn't. No. But I did end up backing Bloodstained, so <clears throat> that, that's and I somehow did not. I don't know. Well, you fun. you were you were backing Mickey. So I, You know what? I really was. That's a little that's a little more bit f- fun because I probably won't be able to see that game for at least two years. Yeah, that that mouse definitely had his little white gloved hand in my wallet. Yes. For the past, like, three or four days.
1: <laughs> Priorities. Babe, blood, like, like you were saying, blood, like you told me before this, uh, stain is going to come out one way or another. You're going to be able to play it. Yeah, it will. And, and I will when it does. Mm-hmm. It's just, now my decision is, what do I want to get it for? The PS4 or the Wii U? I mean, I think that you already said that you were leaning towards the Wii U. I'm leaning play. towards the Wii U, but it's a port, and that's the thing that's kind of holding me back. It's, mm. I think the advantage of it is I'm going to have like if it's a Egovania game, it's going to have the map on this on the, on the second screen. That's true. And they say you're going to be able to play as your Wii. I mean, your me, which I, I really don't care for. But I don't know. I could design a, like
0: a guy with a dick face running around a castle. These are all very valid reasons for wanting to choose a platform well dick butts dick face I would go with dick butt dick butt personally dick butt if possible okay yeah any other gaming updates for us Well, seeing as I've been sort of out of commission for the past, like, three or four days, not really, other than, of course, a lot of Final Fantasy record keeper on the drive down to Orlando and back. I'm about to call that that game the official game of this podcast, because I think we've (laughs) talked about that game every week. Yes, that's right. Uh, Square Enix, if you are listening, we'd be more than happy to take you on as a sponsor. Please feel free to get in contact with us. Just think of all the advantages you could have by sponsoring this podcast.
1: We just spread the message of your love. Yes, the tens of people that listen.
0: (laughs) But no, it's... um, But we do love you all, tens of people. We do, intimately, individually. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, Record Keeper. Yeah. Record Keeper. They had a huge update recently, so that's been cool. Um, They added a whole bunch of really cool stuff. Um, The ability to break your level cap with the memory crystals now, so you can go past level 50. They added a quest system, um, which unfortunately has a lot of quests like create this ability that if you already did, if you've been playing the game, like it's not retroactive, so you're going to have to go back and do it again. So there's that. But uh, what else was in there? I mean, they added you know the usual new dungeons, stuff like that. Um, so a bunch of quality of life improvements, like being able to see uh, which game like the equipment is from like on the screen without having to like click through a couple things to get to it um just a bunch of cool stuff like that plus right now they've got the festival of gold event going on which as i was talking to chris prior to beginning the recording here that's um if you are playing record keeper you should totally get in on that shit like right now you 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 get mad mad gill yo mad gill also, the girl, the girl is pretty. also equipment upgrade materials, like, out the wazoo. So, now it... Oh, and really good XP, actually. If you manage to run on hard or even heroic, those, those runs in that event right now actually give really good XP. I'm going to need to sit down and do that in some of my free time tomorrow. Yeah, but, I mean, other than that, uh, actually, I haven't really had a chance to play a whole lot this week. Um, I got... I don't know if you saw it. There was a... Uh, Humble Bundle, I think it was. Either that or Bundle Stars. I don't know. There's, like, a billion of those now. But one of them was, like, a horror game bundle that I ended up picking up for, like, two or three bucks. Mm. And um, they activated on Steam. And I started playing one of them. It was called Betrayer. And um, it's actually pretty cool. Like, I didn't have very high hopes for a lot of the stuff because it looked kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know. But, um the the nutshell version is that this game is uh, it's like a first person thing set uh, in I believe uh, somewhere around like the I'm probably going to get this wrong but I want to say it's like in the 1600s something like that And you are... You, like, uh, get shipwrecked on this island. And you... Basically, the whole point is you go and search this island to try to figure out, like, what happened on it. Because there are, like, these abandoned Spanish forts and stuff. And you come across creatures and things. Um, This sounds like a horror version of Dear Esther. uh, Well, Dear Esther, you didn't actually, like, do anything. It kind of sucked. Well... We had this discussion already. I actually yeah. liked it just from, like, a narrative standpoint. But, no, this is actually far more, like, action-oriented. Um, and and it's, like, you use a bow and arrow and you use, like, a musket and things to the point where, like, it's one shot and then you have to reload, like, tamp the shit down and, like, reload and everything. So when stuff is running at you to try to claw your face off, that's an interesting mechanic. Um, when you are about to get killed, you must tap it. Indeed. I mean, you may not have another chance, so. <laughs> tap it, tap
1: it, and tap it multiple times. Mm-hmm. Just keep tapping it until you're ready to shoot. Absolutely.
0: Ah, uh, innuendo. So, uh, and, and in addition to that, it also has a pretty cool visual aesthetic um, where, for the most part, it's all mostly in, like, black and white and red. You can actually change the color shaders to make it full color if you want, I kind of put it somewhere in between for maximum effect, but, uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been doing so far. What about you, Chris? Anything good this week? Working. That's not... I said good. <laughs>
1: that's not... That's I, not... I uh, enjoy... I enjoy my work, but I... You're a does, terrible liar. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> gaming-wise, it's just... I don't know. I was... I've been more of on an, an anime binge. Oh. Um... I haven't really been playing a lot of games. Like, I'm still playing Crimson Clover World Ignition on Steam because it's a shmup, and I'm addicted to it. Uh, And uh, finally beat it without having to do a continue today. But it was on Novice, so it's not much of an accomplishment. But I did it. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I've been watching a lot of Dragon Ball. Mm. Lots of Dragon Ball. Uh, I think I like it more than Dragon Ball Z. Watching it is just, it's fun, it's funny. I know that I'm talking about an anime that's, that's... Almost older than I am. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I'm finally catching up with it. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, watching on Hulu Plus. And every once in a while, i get a chance. I've been playing a little bit of my Nintendo. I think I played some Super Mario Brothers and beat that.
0: Uh, a lot of fun. I'm using the so, Warp zones. So by, <clears throat> Yeah, I was going to say, so by playing it, you meant you spent about 20 minutes. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Did two Warp Zones and then got to the end. Basically.
1: Basically. I mean, you still have to go through, like, four, or five, and... No, yeah, you still have to go through all of five, six, seven, and eight. Do you? Well, I did. Was so that I, the second warp zone? Because I thought the second warp... Well, the warp... first one is in level
0: one, it takes you to four, and then four. there's a second one in four, and it takes you to five. No. The second one should take you directly to eight, like the beginning of eight, I believe. Oh. Well, I missed that one, because I was doing a... You d- you done goofed? Yeah, I yeah, done goofed, but... Uh, <laughs>
1: I beat it, finally. <laughs> I mean, I've beat it before, but of course, we're talking about Super Mario Brothers. And I played uh, some some Castlevania 3 as well, which is a game I have not beat. Yeah, But I still think it's, I have a lot of fun with it, even though I'm terrible at it. But I, I really love that game. But other than that, we have a nice, fantastic podcast for you, as you've already heard. Our main topic today is we're going to be talking about YouTube. How it's impacted gaming and geek culture as we move forward and how what it means for entertainment in the future and the present. But we have a lot to get to before that, and we're going to be going to the segment that we call What's on Tap.
0: As is <clears throat> sort of accidentally become tradition here on Retro Hangover, it would seem. Nintendo. Uh, <laughs> we are we are starting off the uh, the news segment with Nintendo news. Mm-hmm. So uh, it looks like there was a rumor floating around for a little while that uh, Nintendo's new console that so far has been known only as its code name NX would possibly be running some version of the Android operating system. That rumor has basically been completely debunked at this point. Mm. Um, Which, again, I I mean, I'm not really surprised. I would have been more, far more surprised, if Nintendo had actually utilized an open-source platform like Android for... That's really not Nintendo's. Absolutely not, no. No. There's... I mean, we're Protocol. talking... No, because we're talking about the company that would put out, you know, copyright strikes on YouTubers yeah. because they don't understand the concept that it's basically free marketing. We're, not,
1: I mean, we're talking about the country uh, that still region locks
0: its portable system. Yeah. Yeah, so an open source uh, operating system at the core of their next uh, console is was a little far-fetched. And it turns out that... That uh, it was indeed because that is not true Uh, it would have been interesting I will say that Uh, there could have been some pretty interesting possibilities for that Um, it (coughs) of course would have been a lot easier I think for them to allow more cross platform stuff I mean not that I want to see like more mobile games being ported to more dedicated consoles but they could do it. And and the quality of some of those games too actually is getting to the point now where you almost wouldn't even know the difference. Well, if Super Mario Brothers was made today, it'd be a mobile game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um going back to what I was saying about Super Mario Brothers and how you said 20 minutes and you're done. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, essentially it's a mobile game now. <clears throat> well, yeah, but at the same time if Super Mario Brothers was made today as a mobile app, it wouldn't be something that you could just play through from beginning to end and be done. It'd be, like, something that you'd have to, like, continually grind through, and then also there are these freemium hooks in there somewhere. Of course, and that's, <laughs> that's the whole mobile
1: market. Um, when I see Android, I've had a lot of mixed reactions about these rumors that was coming out in Nintendo. Uh, everyone, when they think Android, they're probably thinking Ouya. And the first thing I thought when I thought, you know, Nintendo and trying to do what the Ouya did, the first thing I did is Shudder, because... That's not good. Um, Nintendo, when I also heard Android, I had the feeling that Nintendo once again was going to provide an underpowered console. That's the other thing I thought uh, when I heard these rumors. Uh, But it's like you said, having an open platform might be that Nintendo thinks that the indie platform is the way of the future. That indies are going to carry things forward. And I think a lot of these major publishers, Sony included, uh, Sony, Nintendo especially, and uh, Valve, have seen what indies can do uh, in pulling people there, because there's definitely a market for indies, and it's gaining a lot of momentum recently. So they might be thinking that way if they were to go with Android, and it's scalable. And when you think about a scalable open source kind of platform, if you, you know when they go to this rumors about the the portable and the the base system that's connected to your TV, it would kind of help those rumors out that. You know, you can take one game on the console, make it a scalable OS, and port it over to your portable console. That's part of the same thing. So, yeah. Uh, Android would have provided a lot of good benefits as long, and I I started to embrace it once. only, And only if Nintendo was doing this with some significant horsepower behind their hardware. Because they come out, and it's... Like the latest version of Android, and it's no power, no more powerful than your tablet. They're they're screwed. But oh, yeah. it, the fact that they said it wasn't makes me think that might be more powerful. But it's still. I hope they don't come out with an OS that's just completely alienates third parties
0: again. I want to believe that that won't be the case. I mean, I could see why the connection might have been made between Android and the NX, if for nothing else, because of a lot of the recent talks um, from Nintendo about, you know, them branching out into smartphone gaming. So I could sort of see the connection, but I really think it would be... For them, the smartest decision would probably just be to follow suit with... You know what Sony and Microsoft have already done, and just stick with a standardized architecture, right? X eighty six. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Like at this point, you know, consoles from from a technical level like that are really mostly indiscernible from a PC. So, and and that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. There, there's some disadvantages to it,
1: and we'll get to that when we talk about the the memory mm. with, the, with the the systems later.
0: But, I mean, from an architectural standpoint, this can only be a good thing. Because if Nintendo hops on the x86 train, which they should, then all that's going to do is make it so much easier for, you know, third parties to, uh, you know, port their games over and be fully cross-platform. So then that way you don't have this problem like you had in the previous generation where you get games that came out on the 360 and the PlayStation with little to no issue between the two, and, but then you might not ever see it on a Nintendo system for other various reasons, but one being that, you know, there's just such an architectural difference that it might not have been worthwhile. Well, it's also, ever all the
1: Nintendo's platforms have been really underpowered. And mm-hmm. you could say, you know, well, then they could mm-hmm. bring it over from the PS3 to the Wii U with the games they're still doing right now and releasing. But the Wii U has a, almost no user base worthwhile for a third-party developer. So yeah. I think that, that's that's yeah. something to think about, too. What, what I care about is if it comes out in late 2016 or 2017 and it's not able to output in 4K, it's pretty
0: much dead on arrival. I mean, you would think that they would want to, like, future-proof the system, right? And, I mean, that would be one of the big ways to do that. It's what hurt the Wii, ultimately, near the end
1: of its life. Imagine mm-hmm. if the Wii was able to output in HD. I think in the last two or three years before the Wii U came out, it would still have a lot of momentum.
0: No, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, and, and you know, so going along with that, they're, they're definitely going to want to position themselves in such a way to make all of the right decisions that are going to make it easiest for them to
1: get the third-party developers
0: right which is something they've come out prior to e3
1: and said that you know they're going to be announcing more third-party partnerships uh, you know during e3 and what they're going to be doing at e3 um i'm personally looking forward to this nintendo needs this And I think if they're going to be successful at third parties and doing more partnerships, they need to go after the 3DS. It's going to be great if they get it for the Wii U. I think the Wii U is a lost cause. But um, it's good to see that they're getting third parties because maybe this will help them line up some stuff for the NX.
0: And speaking of games coming out for Nintendo platforms, uh, hey, we're getting another Sonic game. You're really excited about this, right? That's, that's what you wanted? Yeah, of course. And uh, I was, my excitement was showed in our in our show notes I sent
1: to Shane, mm. uh, where I described... <laughs> that it was very clever. I, I liked that. Yes. It's uh, described as... Uh, it's called Sonic Bump, Burns and Itches, which of course is Sonic Boom, Fire and Ice, but I refuse to call it that officially. Look, I'll be honest, I haven't played this game. I don't know if it's actually bad. I just know there's a lot of people talking about how both the game uh, Rise of Lyric for the 3DS and Sonic Boom for the Wii U are just absolutely horrendous. Uh, the worst game since Sonic 06. And if you haven't played Sonic 06, or just called Sonic the Hedgehog for your PS3 or 360, that game is is worse than a tech demo. It's awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, loading screens for everything. Uh, you And loading screen. you'll have a 30-second like, loading screen to load, a 30-second scene followed by another 30-second loading screen. And then you'll fall off a map for no reason and fall through the map and then run through things, run through walls and, and not be able to play anything. And it's the Sonic Boom the, supposed the, to be the,
0: as bad as that. The, the only solace that you get from that is hearing Tails have really terrible pathing and fall into water and die behind you.
1: Yeah, I, I barely made it off the second level because that happened to Tails. Not behind me, actually playing as Tails. Hmm. Because I keep on getting to an area and I like, fell through the map multiple times.
0: No, the, the death cries of m- miles prower are the only thing that bring me comfort when playing that. <laughs> but, so, according to the statement for this thing, um, Sonic Boom, Fire, and Ice, they're, they're basically trying to take what they did with Sonic Boom and, I guess, improve upon it, which they've got a lot of room <clears throat> to do that with. Um, you know, I, as the title implies, they're gonna be including fire and ice elements throughout the game, which is not, honestly, is some of the most well worn tropes in gaming, but, um, you know, who knows? They might be able to bring something new to the table. Only two elements? I mean, there's two other ones. Maybe that's gonna be the, like, it's gonna be like Pokemon. Yeah, you can have two totally different versions released at the same time. There's a market for and that, And then you'd have right? to play both. <laughs> in order to get all Sonic characters. And hate yourself forever. <laughs> uh, in addition to that, they're adding something uh, called Bot Racing, um, which is going to be a supplement to your single-player story experience, um, which is going to be purely about racing and speed, which, as anyone knows, Sonic... Has got to go fast. It's got to go fast. Got to go fast. Unless you played the first Sonic
1: game, then you realize that's not what Sonic's about at all. But hey, Sonic's got to go fast.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. And and interestingly enough, that's actually something that they mentioned in this little like you know press release thing mm-hmm. here is that they're uh, trying to balance it out so that you you basically will have the option of either going through the level as fast as humanly possible or going slower and taking time to explore. Um, if they actually manage to like competently balance those two playstyles in a Sonic game, I would be very impressed because they've been trying to do that since basically Sonic since uh, basically since the inception. Okay, we've had this discussion. As far as I'm concerned, Sonic is a flawed concept from the beginning.
1: Sonic, from Sonic, the beginning, Sonic one, two, three, and Sonic and
0: Knuckles are amazing. I completely disagree. I think, I think the the core conceit of that game is flawed from the beginning. So what do you think the core conceit is?
1: The whole entire core con- the whole core concept behind Sonic was we want someone with
0: attitude to steal people away from Mario. No, 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 not not that part. I mean, yes, you're right, but the the core like mechanic of that game that they've tried to push or at least made it seem as though that was what the point of it was was you totally get to go fast because his name is fucking Sonic. Sonic. And he goes fast. If you try to do that for more than a few seconds in like any level of any of those games, you will die.
1: But if you take it as a game in and of itself, it's good. If you just don't think, I gotta go fast, and just play the game for what the game offers you, it's a good game. I, I don't like what the game offers. Well, not everyone has to like Sonic. No. I, I love Sonic 1, 2, 3, and Sonic and Knuckles. Sonic Adventure... <sighs> uh, it's much was much better in 1999.
0: Well, in better news... <laughs> Hyrule Warriors has been announced uh, for the 3DS, which I am actually very excited about, and I'm glad that I waited to buy it. Because I really actually wanted to buy this for the Wii U, but now that I know it's coming for 3DS, I'm gonna wait. Because I think this is where you and I kind of differ on this one. I but think so. I actually prefer like having a title on my 3DS because I can basically play it anywhere. Um, and, and at least for me, like the, the quality on a 3ds is enough that it's not like you know i don't feel like i'm having a subpar gaming experience by doing it so so i'm actually kind of happy about this um in addition to just releasing it for the 3ds they're also adding a few extra characters um that were not initially available so uh part of the announcement Right off the bat, you saw that uh, Tetra from Wind Waker is going to be included um, with her signature cutlass and pistol. And in the trailer, you uh, also see the King of Hyrule and the King of Red Lions will be playable characters. Um, And I guess the cool thing is if you do end up owning both versions of this game, you can actually transfer those characters from your 3DS version to the Wii U. So that's that's cool. I would just I just rather have it be a cross buy. Oh, I mean, I, I would. Have I agree loved it to be a cross buy here. I'm more
1: for the benefit of the Wii U rather than the 3ds because mm. you can put this thing on 3ds it's going to sell a lot better
0: um, than what it sold on the Wii. U, It sold very well on the Wii U for a Wii U game. Well, not only for a Wii U game, but for what is essentially Dynasty Warriors with a Zelda skin on it. Yeah. Which are all fun, because you have your Dynasty Warriors Gundam games, and I'm actually really looking forward
1: to Dragon Quest Heroes, which is essentially Mm -hmm. Dynasty Warriors with Dragon Quest characters. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm looking forward to. Um, This news, yeah, it's good for 3DS owners. Uh, If I was still into portable gaming, as much as I used to be, I'd probably be more excited about this. I just, yeah, you're right, we do differ on this. I'd much rather have it for my Wii U. I don't see anything that says it has anything to do with the new 3DS either, which I still think it's odd that Nintendo's. You know, Going back, we I harp on, we harp on this all the time. <laughs> they come out with a system that's supposed to
0: be more powerful and supposed to have all these new abilities, and so far they have Xenoblade. It's the new DSi, man. That's what we've been saying. New this DSi. Is, this is what's going to happen. I, I mean, I'm not broken up about it because I don't own a new 3DS. Mm-hmm. I like my NES Special Edition 3DS, and I don't plan on buying a new one, mm-hmm. so the fact that this looks like it's just coming out for all 3DSs, mm-hmm. I am totally okay with that.
1: Well, I mean, I've got to understand it coming up for all 3DSs. I just expect at some point they would say, hey, if you own a
0: new 3DS, you get these benefits.
1: But it's not even. Not even nothing's even coming out there saying this. Um, I but,
0: don't see that. I actually don't really see it happening. I, no. I, you know, I'm sort of like half kid when I say that thing about the DSi, but I actually think that's what this is going to turn out to be. So.
1: Well, we've been. We've been Saying
0: that ever since we talk about the new 3ds, every I time know. we talk about the new
1: 3ds, it's the new
0: DSi. And so far, everything that Nintendo's done has just been proving that point. So right, yeah. You know.
1: But Hyrule Warriors coming to the 3ds, um. So be excited, get hype. So hype. But one thing that's not in, your show no- in the show notes today, but I'm going to break into this because. oh. Hasn't been officially announced yet. We're going off. We're going off the record. We're going off the record, and I know this is news that Shane doesn't care about, and oh, great. really, I, I'm gonna, I don't I'm either. Check out now. Okay, bye, Shane. Bye. Um, big news came out today. Uh, big, big news oh, for God. Nintendo. I know what this is. <laughs> so, if you're old like us, or older like us, you remember how big Street Fighter was. We all do. We still know how big Street Fighter is. I'm so terrible at and, it, though. And we all remember how big of a deal when it came out on a Nintendo system back in the day. Wouldn't it be nice if we had Street Fighter back on Nintendo again? I mean, it's whatever. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're getting the closest we can to having Street Fighter back because Ryu looks like he's going to be coming to Smash Brothers, which was leaked today, and he's going to be coming with Roy
0: from Fire Emblem. That's right. You asked... Can we have Ryu on our Nintendos? You know what and Nintendo they said, sure, "Sure, you can. can. <laughs> you can have Ryu." Terrible joke. Sure, you can,
1: but uh no can. Unfortunately,
0: no can. Uh, eh, that's too bad.
1: But I, I you know, it's, his feathered blonde hair will be missed. I think it. I think it's interesting that's another Capcom character. That both third party characters in this game. Well, I mean, you yeah, got Sonic, which has pretty much been a Nintendo exclusive because the other two guys... Uh, Microsoft and Sony probably don't even want his ass on their systems right now. Nope. But, um, you know, you got Mega Man and Ryu, Pac-Man, and Sonic. And I think it's interesting that the new one's another Capcom character. I think that's really interesting, considering that Street Fighter, the last time Street Fighter was on the Wii console was uh, Tatsunoku versus Capcom. I'm going to take your word on that one. Yeah, I think that's the last time Street Fighter's had anything to do with Nintendo... Maybe Street Fighter 4 3D for the 3DS. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was more recent, but that was just a port, and I don't think it was very well received either. You know what's better news? I know, yeah. This is this is your baby right here. You're, you're about mm-hmm. to get through. We're talking about. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, I'm just gonna close this out. Yeah, Ryu's and Smash Brothers. It's a it's 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 a pretty significant deal that that Ryu's gonna be in it. But anyway, on to bigger news. The the big big news. Uh, last week, actually, uh, the week before, because we took a break, this is, I know Shane's been dying to talk about this, I'll just let you take it,
2: bud. Ah, it's Fallout 4, bitches!
0: (laughs) Ah, that was good. So, they, uh, they, they had a Twitch stream thing going on for this, for the official, like, reveal, um, -hmm. which I, sort of accidentally managed to load up, like, just in time to see this thing happen. Like, I almost missed it. But, yeah, Fallout 4 is finally happening. It's been a long time coming. I am happy. Um, I... I, Okay, I will say, the one thing from the, like, little reveal trailer that they put out, to me, graphics seem kind of subpar. Like... Have you gone back and looked at Fallout 3? I mean, yes, I've still played it, but I'm just saying, like... That looks awful. Yeah, but... Okay, did you watch the trailer? I did. Okay, so... But you know what I'm talking about. Like, those... The, the graphics in that thing look like they're supposed to be from a reveal of, like, Fallout 2 from, like, early 2000s or something. It just looks weird to me. Like but, I, don't... I mean,
1: we are talking about a video game series that was,
0: like, not as good-looking as
1: Diablo when it came out. I... Well, yes. It looked like a
0: very souped-up version of Syndicate. And it came well with sure, Syndicate. Sure, sure. But... I mean, I guess I'm just expecting that like because from what I understand they've been building like a whole new engine for this next generation of like Bethesda games. So, it's not going as far as I know, it's not going to yeah. be Gamebryo anymore, right? So so this is supposed to be like kind of from the ground up, so my expectation was that the graphics were going to be a lot more impressive.
2: I think, um, I think
1: what they're going to go for is just being
0: able to handle more. I mean, look at the Grand Theft Auto series.
1: Everyone raves about how good that game looks. I've never been impressed by the graphical fidelity of any Grand Theft Auto game on a, on a very high level. I've been more impressed by uh, the amount of stuff the game can handle. Yeah. And the lack of a loading time in between <clears throat> areas. And how much is just going on out in the open and how much things are dynamic and change. And maybe that's what's going to be happening more in Fallout.
0: I mean, I will put it out there right now that I'm not, like, a graphics snob by any stretch of the imagination. I just, like, it just really struck me as odd the way that the trailer looked. Well, how early is this in development, too? That's another question that they really haven't said yet. I mean, they haven't said, but, man, it's got to have been a while by now. This thing has been a long time coming. Um, And also, I don't believe it was officially confirmed, but analysis of the trailer has more or less unofficially confirmed the fact that uh, or confirmed the long time rumor that the new Fallout game was going to be set in Boston. Hmm. So um, A place near and dear to your heart. Well, uh,
1: I, I am from up north. You know what? If I buy Fallout 4 for the PC, if my PC's ever good enough and I don't like it, I mm-hmm. buy it off Steam. I'm finally going to be able to get my money back. You would never ask for a refund for Fallout Four. Well, I'd probably play it for more than two hours, so I probably wouldn't be able to get one back. No. Why wouldn't. are you giving my dirty? Why are you giving me that duty, dirty look? Because you're not one of those people that if I criticize Fallout Four, you're going to get all bent out of shape, are you? I
0: mean, I might. I don't know. It depends <laughs> on what it is.
1: <laughs> you know, I still haven't played Fallout Three like ever.
0: I should have gotten it It was, like, two bucks at GameStop. Yeah. Well, no, because you should play it on the PC. I don't even know if my PC's powerful enough to play that thing. Well, what the fuck are you doing, man?
1: I don't know. I think it's powerful enough to play The Witcher. If it can play The Witcher, can it play Fallout 3? Yeah.
0: Can it? Yeah.
2: Huh.
0: There's no reason that it shouldn't. I mean, you might not be able to play it on, like... Max the best settings. settings ever but you can still play it yeah. use the mod community well you should do that anyway that's the reason I'm saying you should play it on the PC it's for the mods like that's so you're saying Bethesda can't pull this off by themselves I mean, they haven't yet, right? <laughs> I mean, like, like, every one of their games, like, at its core is great, but they always come out with a whole bunch of really weird bullshit. Isn't it New Vegas where the guy, when you're, like, sitting on the bed, and Has the like guy, a,
1: and his head starts, like, going in circles, yeah. like, from his body? Yeah, yeah. Like a
0: clock. Yes, that happens, Yeah. <laughs> Listen, uh, we talked about that before. I really like what Bethesda does, but they have become known for releasing these big, expansive games that always end up with these really weird-ass glitches, some of which are kind of cool and tend to stick around, like the really weird physics with the ogres from uh, Skyrim when you get slammed by them and then you get launched into the fucking stratosphere. Like, there's that. That's a good one.
1: I still have to play Morrowind.
0: What have you been
1: doing with your life? Not playing one hundred hour RPGs anymore.
0: <sighs> you are missing out, man. I, I I don't know. Like I this explains why you didn't get that reference to fucking Cliff Racers last time I talked about it because you have no idea what that is.
1: No, no idea. <sighs> God damn! I'm a console gamer. Damn it. Fucking plebe. I mean, I know they've been on consoles, <laughs> so I know that's a bad kind of excuse. Whatever.
0: Don't even talk to me. You're but, a part of the unwashed masses. I don't want to hear it. up, you PC master race <laughs>
1: motherfucker. Anyway, uh, like, the first time I got back into, like, Western RPGs, and it took me multiple attempts to get into it, was Mass Effect. Okay. Like, I, 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 that was the first time I ever got back from Japanese RPGs to actually enjoying a Western RPG was Mass Effect, and it took me, like, three restarts
0: in order to finally figure out what the fuck I was supposed to do. Well, I mean, just because you're a noob doesn't mean that you have to cry about it. It's fine. I would suggest probably going back and playing Morrowind. I would skip Oblivion, honestly. Yeah. And Skyrim is definitely worth your time. Like, if you... Listen, you know, is, if you is really is. only want to have, like, enough time for, like, you know, maybe one, like, 100-plus-hour CRPG, then maybe just go with Skyrim. That would be my suggestion. Uh, uh, three For the 360, right? God, I hate you so much right now.
1: Just, uh, so, uh, just for reference, the person talking shit to me right now is yeah. the person I lent Final Fantasy VII because he still hasn't played that. I mean, whatever, man. It's like... One only, of those... only probably the most defining RPGs in all of consoles. I'm yes, not saying it's that, the best. That's no. probably one uh, of the most
0: important. There there you go. But that's that's your point right there. For consoles. For we consoles. We're having this discussion about the fact that you have been missing out on essential... PC. And I'm releases. making the point you've been missing out on essential console releases. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, there are some polygons and a Buster sword and, like, some crazy hair, and then a chick dies. I get it. Right. <laughs> if you, right. <laughs> if you could only see the look
1: it's I'm like, getting right now. <laughs> that's like me saying that, like, your your Elder Scrolls games is Call of Duty
0: with swords. You shut your hormone <laughs> Uh. Uh, But anyway, yeah, if you want to be a jackass and get a refund for Fallout 4, in which case I will personally come to your house and stab you in the throat with a pen. No, you won't. um, You can do that now, I guess, because Steam is now doing refunds. Um, This has been a pretty contentious topic, particularly with developers on Steam, mostly because of how Valve has implemented this whole new structure and this is not unusual for Valve because usually big changes that they introduce like this they just kind of fucking do it like off the cuff where they're just like oh we're doing a thing now and then they don't then they kind of deal with the backlash like after the fact but this is a good thing I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that, generally speaking, Valve just kind of is just like, we're going to just do this, and maybe we'll, like, you know, iron out the the details after the fact. And this has really been no different. Ultimately, it is a good thing, mostly because now you're not going to, or at least ostensibly, you're not going to have all of these really shitty fly-by-night developers which i'm doing in air quotes as hard as i can who are going to sell you you know a 99 cent or five dollar title which you then buy and find out that it's literally just stock unity assets that they bought and threw into a thing that they're Mm -hmm. calling a game so yes it's a good thing
1: and i think the most the people that are getting the most amount of worry about the this are the smaller indie developers ...who are making their artsy games or uh, mobile type of games that are less than two hours long... ...which is the limit that you have in order if you want to turn the game in. Right. Or you can play the game and get it done and see the the, the meat of it within two hours... And, ...and and pretty much not need to play it anymore after that. And the other thing is with the two-week limit. I don't think it really should have a time limit. I think if you... Or longer than two weeks because... I mean, there's some Steam libraries out there like mine and yours. Uh, mostly yours. <laughs> That if you buy a game, you may not have the time to get to it within two weeks. Nope. Sure so, don't. <laughs> two weeks. Like, I think I got this one game. It's called Strike Suit Infinity. Mm, I've um, never even heard of it. It's like a mecha game, and I'm I'm t- either the game is awful or I suck at it. But either way, I don't like it. Mm. And I couldn't return it. Uh, I haven't played more than two hours, but it's been longer than two weeks now, and I wish I could turn back in. But in any case uh i i heard uh i heard some discussions about this uh over over some of the podcasts and youtubes that i watch and I, they made a good point that the people that are buying these indie games aren't the kind of people who would buy it and then just try to get their money back after they complete it in less than 2 hours like the market is is that kind of niche market that that the people that would be interested in that stuff aren't the kind of people that would do that to begin with
0: uh i mean by and large probably not
2: mm-hmm.
0: i mean obviously you're going to have edge cases where that's going to happen anyway but that's kind of unavoidable i mean i mean hell that's unavoidable with any sort of refund policy talk to anybody that's worked in retail ever and they'll tell you the same thing the people there will always be a certain element of people that are going to try to abuse a refund policy it's going to happen and this is no different I think a lot of the reaction was a knee-jerk one from most of the developers because I feel like this thing just kind of dropped and people were like, holy shit, this is happening now. Uh, but ultimately, it's a good thing. Um, you're not going to get stuck with your, you know, shitty, like, Minecraft Daisy mashup ripoff thing anymore. And as we had mentioned, speaking of Steam, the summer sales going on right now. So if you're not aware, you should go totally check that out. So you can pick up some games really cheap and have a disgustingly huge backlog like I do. If you love shmups a lot, of shmups are like dirt cheap right now. Yeah, that that is actually true. everything's dirt cheap right now. So just if you like games, go there. Yeah, and also if you don't already know this, one like major rule of thumb for any Steam sale is if there's something that you're looking at specifically, wait until it is on a daily sale or a flash sale because that is the cheapest it will ever get. Don't buy it unless it is. Like Grimrock when I got Legend of Grimrock. Exactly. That was on a
1: flash sale. It was eighty percent, now it's more than what it was.
0: Right, and wait until like the last day. If you don't see it go on a daily or a flash sale all the way until the last day, then really pick it up if you really want it. Otherwise, just learn patience, young Padawan. If a game gets that low
1: during a summer sale mm-hmm. and you're not able to pick it up, in between the summer sale or fall sale or winter sale, if it's going to go on sale, you know that's the lowest the developer or publisher is willing to go. Mm-hmm. If there's, so there's a possibility of that game getting down that level again. Not part of any special sale. So if you miss it, not a big deal. Um, You don't like it, you can return it. Now here's the interesting question about these refunds. Mm. Can you buy a game, get it refunded, then buy the same game and have it refunded again?
0: Oh, you mean like play it for less than two hours, get a refund, then buy it again and start where you left off on your save file? Yeah. That's a good question, actually. I didn't think about that. So you are one of those. You are one of those edge cases we were talking about. You scummy motherfucker. No, I'm
1: not one of those edge cases. I wouldn't do that Uh, because I like saving my high scores and stuff like that. Because Mm. I know they're. I mean,
0: they're shit. But um, (laughs) but they mean something to you. They mean something to me. That's that's what's important. I don't know. Speaking of scummy shit, though. Yeah. um, The uh, Federal Trade Commission has actually stepped in for the first time on uh, an issue with a Kickstarter campaign. So. If you're at all familiar with Kickstarter, you you know that you're basically throwing money at something that might happen. Like, you you are funding something that you would like to see come to fruition. You are not actually purchasing a product outright. A lot of people didn't get that at the beginning, but, you know, as per our discussion on these kind of things that we had before, uh, I think a lot more people are aware of that fact. Now the the case in question uh, was for a board game actually, it wasn't a video game um, called The Doom That Came to Atlantic City uh, which
1: looks like it belongs to a Japanese
0: board game uh, I'm actually not sure of the, the country of origin. I do know that it made several times over what its original goal was. No, I'm just saying it looks like it needs to be a Japanese board game because it has a tentacle oh, around it. Oh, right, the tentacle, of The course. tentacle. Yes. I mean, one would most likely first assume that it's a Cthulhu sort of related thing, but of course Chris is going to go to, you know, hentai porn, because why not? Why not? Sure. But yeah, so this thing ended up making several times over and what it, it originally made, had. It
1: like $120,000. Its and goal
0: was thirty five thirty-five. dollars um, And <laughs> so in what is pro- possibly the worst nightmare of anybody that backs a Kickstarter, the creator of the game, and that's actually used really loosely, it's more like the person who came up with an idea... Um, (laughs) We need to do this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not now. Uh, They ended up using the money on, like, purely personal expenses rather than, like, I don't know, actually making the game that people gave them money for. Uh, And after about 14 months or so, he just sort of abruptly canceled the project, didn't fulfill any of the backer rewards that he had promised, And so the FTC kind of decided that, hey, you know what? This is actually egregious enough that maybe we should kind of step in and take a look. So the nice thing about this is hopefully this is setting a precedent, right? So up until this point, this kind of thing has been happening more frequently than is comfortable uh, with not only Kickstarter, but other platforms similar to it. But at the same time, they got to be careful. What what, it, what what constitutes breaking the law, just not
1: fulfilling your, your commitment? In terms of, of this, in this scenario, I, mean, yeah, I this would scenario, say, I would say yes. In this scenario, this guy's a dirtbag. Sure. And, and you know, he, he said, oh, I have $120,000. Well, this is going to be fun. And he burned through those and he didn't make a product. Yeah, sure. But let's say, you know, you have a, you have a developer of, of, like, a, a, a tabletop game. Because Kickstarter is really popular for making tabletops. Yeah, A lot of is. tabletop stuff. Yeah. So you have a developer for a tabletop. They get the idea. They get the concept. They get the money. They get funded. They run into it, and then they hit a snag in development. And because of that snag in development, or there was unforeseen costs that they didn't calculate for, and they've been using the money towards the project, and they aren't able to fulfill it,
0: would that be against the law? No, and but that – okay, so that right there I think is the most important – differentiation is that because you could use as an example uh like Double Fine for example <laughs> they did legitimately use those funds towards the development of the product that they had promised they hit a lot of snags along the way and that's how it ended up the way that it did their development plan was broken ah much like an age perhaps yes you are the fucking pooba of puns <laughs> I used pooba as an adjective last week get original <laughs> I was trying to bring it back. Chris. It's, it's all it's all connected. Okay, this is the circle of life. You gotta alter your alliteration. You gotta Simba this shit. But anyway, in that case, no, I would not say that that is uh, that is an issue. This is like a very clear misappropriation of funds. Absolutely. Um, I, I I obviously don't know the specifics of like the the agreement that you sort of sign when you start using Kickstarter and you back a project, but from the way that I've seen it, it seems fairly lax. So I I honestly see this as a good thing, but I think it also
1: may drive away more independent developers, and you might just end up getting more and more people like the uh, Koji Igarashi's and. Uh, the, the guys behind Rare. But why? Which isn't it, a total loss. But it, shouldn't, but, but it shouldn't, though. That's like... I why mean, if you're honest it, and you're open about it, but you're still going to have people bitch exactly. about it if the shit doesn't show up. And they're going to be like, oh, this guy used it on his personal shit.
0: No, no, no. But that's fine. But people, you got to prove can, it. Well, that's the thing. People can bitch all, you, all they want. This shouldn't drive away indies or, or anything like that. Because if you are above board and you are doing everything by the book, you should have... A very clear record of your expenses and what you utilize that Kickstarter money for. So if, for whatever reason, if you had enough people fucking trolling you or something and Mm -hmm. somehow the FTC or somebody gets involved with your Kickstarter and you weren't doing something, you know, super shady with the money, then you can just look and be like, no, listen, here are my books. This is what I've spent Mm -hmm. the money on. This is all above board End of story. But you're still going to have to say, I mean, people are still going to have to understand that they're going to have to use some of that money
1: to take time off of work and use some of that money to pay their bills.
0: Oh, sure. But again, that should be something that is That people expected. should know. Expected by
1: the funders. Right. Is that something that people need to put in their Kickstarters? Because mm-hmm. there are stupid people out there that think that when I put this money towards this, it should all go to development and why are you using this money to, I don't know, pay for your house? So they can use that house to fucking make a game.
0: Well, I also don't know what level of transparency is, you know, required for, you know, the finances of these developers. Like, uh, as much crap as I gave Double Fine about Broken Age, they were probably one of the most forward and open about how they utilized it and what was going on. So... I think that's kind of up to the developer's discretion to a certain extent. Um, they don't necessarily have to be telling the backers like I, you know, every penny that they spent. But like I said, either way, people can raise a stink about something if they want, but if you're legitimately doing everything above board, you don't have anything to hide.
1: Now, a few weeks ago we were talking about a museum called the Strong, which mm. neither of us had heard of and we didn't know how legitimate it was, but apparently it's still making new stories. They're opening up the Video Game Hall of Fame. It's its inaugural year, and they have decided to anoint six titles into the Video Game Hall of Fame. Six titles. They had an initial list of, I think, 15? Something like that. And uh, uh, 15 candidates, and they, they've chosen six, and the first six that are going to be going into it are Pong, Pac-Man, Tetris, Super Mario Brothers, Doom, and World of Warcraft. I think that's 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 a really good list. How important is this world video game Hall of Fame? I think I don't know. It's it's this inaugural year. We haven't heard of this place before, but it's starting to make waves. So they're starting to document and catalog, and hopefully, you know, this could be an avenue that we could use to preserve some of the classics for future generations. Obviously, the ones that they've put up there are, you know, they're they're going to be around for a while. But you know, in the future, looking at some of the great games that are going to be coming for the past 30 years and the past time going on, I think it's good to kind of have a World Video Game Hall of Fame to kind of catalog where video games have come from and where they're headed, especially for uh, research reasons and uh, educational reasons.
0: Yeah, so this museum actually is a little more extensive than I think we initially yeah, realized. Yeah, I gave it credit for. Yeah, it's, the official name for it is the Strong National Museum of Play. It, it, it actually encompasses more than just video games. Mm-hmm. They have different divisions. Um, they've got a National Toy Hall of Fame, which includes things like a Rubik's Cube and a Slinky and things like that. So I guess they've actually been established for quite some time. I think the video game portion is what's newer, but, uh, no, this is an interesting list. I, I think they're good choices. And actually, I was pleasantly surprised with their inclusion of Doom and World of Warcraft because I just assumed that they were going to stick to, you know, a lot more class... Well, I mean, Doom is a classic at this point. Um, but, I mean, a lot more of the uh, games from, you know, much earlier on in, in, the, in the legacy of video gaming... I will say that I really wish they didn't include a copy of the DVD of the Doom movie in their display because that thing is a fucking travesty. <laughs> but apart from that,
1: I think well, it shows its impact and what it had on on um, uh, culture at large. Yeah,
0: I mean, I guess whatever.
1: <laughs> it still sucked. Just, just be happy Angry Birds didn't make it.
0: I, you know what, I, I am, I am happy. About I mean, that. it will end up there because it is a very significant game. It's, I don't think it's significant in the same way, though. Because I see why they picked Doom. Because Doom... And you can make an argument for, like, Wolfenstein 3D or whatever. But really, Doom is what solidified the first-person shooter as a major genre in, in video gaming. So I totally see that. And then, again, with, like, World of Warcraft, you can make the argument that, yes, there were things before that. Ultima Online, EverQuest... Um, ostensibly they could have picked EverQuest. Actually, if they, you know, but online, yeah. What about it? That came before EverQuest. That was yes, huge. Oh, I know, I know. So they could have picked those, but you know, ultimately, World of Warcraft has had far more staying power and, arguably, much more impact overall. Um, I mean, we just celebrated like the ten-year anniversary of World of Warcraft recently. So that is a decade of a game that has been running. Very, very impressive. Which, at its peak, had about twelve million subscribers during mm-hmm. the Wrath of the Lich King expansion. So that's that is that is a big deal.
1: I mean, there's definitely going to be more games to come in this world uh, Hall of Fame for video games. Um, so if you didn't hear a game that you think is very significant, I mean, it's going to end up being there. Uh, so other games that were mentioned were Angry Birds, which is understandable for the impact it had on the mobile market and brought to the, uh, masses.
0: Yeah, man, let's just, like, throw some fucking Flappy Bird on there while we're at it. Well, not Flappy Bird. But,
2: uh,
1: (laughs) FIFA, I don't know why FIFA's on there. I think Madden would be better than FIFA in terms of revolutionizing and quality gameplay.
0: I actually... uh... I think that's probably more of, like, an Amero-centric view of that because I think that FIFA, like, on a world scale probably has much... But, like, people fucking but love... But who makes FIFA? I don't know.
1: Electronic Arts. Sure. They're talking about Electronic Arts with FIFA. What got yeah. electronic sports division
0: started? EA Sports. It was Madden. It's, it's in the game. It was Madden.
1: Madden got that whole ball rolling.
0: I know. I'm just saying, again, you're, you're making this argument about that where it's the same argument you can make with World of Warcraft or Doom, right. where there could have been something else, but I think FIFA on a world scale probably had bigger impact. So the, the other
1: games that, that the six titles beat out were, uh, so we had Angry Birds and FIFA, and then you had Legend of Zelda, uh, probably the defining console adventure game. Uh, you had Minecraft, the Oregon Trail uh, Pokemon, The Sims, Sonic the Hedgehog, and Space Invaders. So they're all very high quality games. So if you say you want to talk about games like uh, other major games like Resident Evil, Final Fantasy VII, Super Mario 64, I mean, you can go on and on about games that revolutionize the industry. Uh, there's still plenty more candidates because I can't, I'm looking at all the games they've nominated, all the games that made it, and how revolutionary every single one of
0: those games were. Yeah, I, I would not have wanted to be the ones making this decision, because <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard choice. It's, you're, you're choosing
1: between Space Invaders and Pac-Man. Yeah. I mean... You, or Mario and Zelda. Oh, that's easy. It's Mario. Right. Super Mario Brothers. That's easy. What I'm surprised is no Donkey Kong. Yeah, well... But, I mean, Pac-Man was probably more significant than Donkey Kong was. Yeah, I would agree. Looking back. Yeah. I think Space Invaders not getting in there is kind of a travesty, especially... I think Space Invaders needs to be in there before Doom is. Nah, man. Doom all the way. Over Space Invaders? BFG. <sighs> and then there's Pokemon. I mean, you're a portable game player. If it wasn't for Pokemon, the entire portable games market may not even exist right now. I mean,
0: that could be true. I I personally have only ever played Pokemon Red from start to finish. I, I still think... So...
1: I, I I'm saying I'm saying that Doom in terms of quality gaming and what
0: it did for the video game industry is probably just as impactful as Mortal Kombat. Do you think that Mortal Kombat solidified like the two D fighting genre? No, Street Fighter 2 did. Okay, then then that's not a direct comparison. No, the, the one that solidified the first-person gaming genre was Wolfenstein 3D. I disagree. That's what I was just <laughs> saying earlier. I disagree with that. Like,
2: uh, I, disagree with,
0: I disagree with you. I think Wolfenstein solidified it. Mm-mm, no, Wolfenstein 3D started it, and then Doom is really what solidified it. Because you had, in 1995, you had people sharing the shareware version of Doom all over the place. You had it on, you know, message boards, news news boards. You had it in computer labs in schools. You had it on work computers everywhere. Like, it was... Far more ubiquitous than Wolf three D.
1: Uh, Wolf three D had the same same effect.
0: Wolf three D wasn't as big, but it was big. This well, that's what I'm saying. This was on a much bigger scale. You're making that it's the same argument as like World of Warcraft and EverQuest. EverQuest did it first. So did Ultima. They were big in their own right. Yeah, but World of Warcraft is really what blew it up. I, you know what's really surprising when
1: we're talking about RPGs that you're not seeing the original Ultima or King's Quest or Dragon Quest on there. I think you will eventually. I mean, they're going to get there. I mean,
2: yeah. But
1: they have 15 games. You have to pick 15. Yeah. I, I still think Dragon Quest overall is a more impactful
0: game than Sonic the Hedgehog. Ah, uh, well, I mean, that goes without saying. Well, you don't like Sonic. Yeah. I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you bring up that point. It's it's interesting that they don't have a uh, a representative game for the adventure genre in or their RPG. Well, no, they have all. Zelda okay, I mean point and click adventure. And click that's like very Sierra. different. You're well, talking about like King's Sierra Quest. Too. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like they don't have anything that's really representative of that genre on that list yet. You know it's gonna be the first one that is. It's gonna be uh what's it called? <sighs> God, the uh
1: the, the one by uh, the animated by Dave Bluth, um Space Ace Space Quest. Space Quest? Space Quest. That'll get in before King's Quest does. Maybe it's not Space Quest
0: well I mean there was a space quest there was space quest there was police
1: quest no 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 the one you went to the arcade and you had to make the quick decision that is pretty much all QTEs mmm not space quest Oh God, no 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 there was a you were in night Hmm. it was like ported to everything and everything else was terrible except you had to experience back in the arcades I don't know I can't remember it for the life of me it's on everything if you ask me any other time I'd be able to remember it animated it was animated
0: early 80s Laserdisc game. Podcast at retrohangover.com. No, I'm going email to email us by next week. And <laughs> I'm gonna know this. And let us know what Chris is forgetting.
1: God bless America. <laughs> oh man. It's it's an animated game. I I don't know, man.
0: There there's a ton of
1: those. I don't know. <sighs> it was like the first one. Anyway. It doesn't matter.
0: I mean, I would throw, th- I would even throw something like Grim Fandango in there because I think that that that's very good. It just no one bought it when it first came out. Well, there's no accounting for bad
1: taste, Chris. Well, these yeah, gotta, gotta talk about revolutionary. If you're gonna say that World of Warcraft is is in there over EverQuest, yeah, and Doom is over there over Time 3D, then mm-hmm. games like Grim Fandango are never gonna fucking make it.
0: Well, I mean, adventure games in general are usually not... they looked down upon. ...even close to as popular, so... Escape uh, uh, Monkey Island will probably make it. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah, that probably will.
1: Moving on, back to consoles, we got new systems coming out. Well, not new systems, but new SKUs of systems. <sighs> yep. They're doing something they probably should have done to begin with,
0: Based off what of how their OS is designed. Uh, Wait a minute, hold on, Chris. You're yes. telling me that this new generation of consoles are doing things after the fact that any rational, logical person would have done right from the get go. This is what you're saying. Yes. This is mind blowing.
1: I know, right? They're finally doing this two years after release. <laughs> finally getting, finally getting to what they supposed they were. To have done, so to let you know what we're talking about, because we we're going to get there anyway. They're coming out; they're finally their consoles are going to have terabyte terabyte hard drives. The Xbox One and the PS4. Uh, the Xbox One is taking this opportunity to jack the price up to four hundred dollars. As you all know, it's probably at three hundred and fifty now for the five hundred gigabyte system, and so giving you the extra five hundred gigabytes of data is going to cost you fifty dollars. Uh, so you now have a terabyte on your Xbox One. There has been no price announced for the new model of the PS4, uh, but I think they're also releasing a new model of the PS4 that's also supposed to have less power consumption. But the most important one is the terabyte, terabyte hard drive. I have no idea why they never had terabyte hard drives to begin with. You're you're looking at systems that have a mandatory install for every game you shove
0: in their slot. Mm-hmm. Every fucking one. I mean, I could say that it was probably some weird cost cutting measure, like initially, to just put a smaller hard drive in and save money where they could. But with how cheap hard drives are these days, I can't imagine that they saved all that much. But I don't know, I could be wrong. Is there a reason?
1: I mean, I understand when you install things, it helps load that data quicker and it takes more yeah. less it takes more stress off the laser drive from pulling data from the disk.
0: It's just because pulling straight from a hard drive is far faster than reading from a disk, that's really what it is. Like you just get faster load times that way. But to make it mandatory is kind of shitty. I mean if, uh, I mean whatever. I mean, well, okay, it shouldn't be a problem because you should have more than enough storage space which we haven't up until this right. point. So I feel like that was sort of a cart before the horse sort of scenario where they're just like, well, we're in this new era of technology where, you know, we've got hard drive storage space out the ass, so we're just going to require this, but then didn't include sufficient space to accommodate that requirement. So, you know, we're a few years down the line now and they're kind of rectifying that finally. But, okay, case in point, a lot of people give the Wii U a lot of shit for only having 32 gigs
1: on their hard drive. Yeah. And I, I I'll admit, too, the 32 gigs is mind-blowingly low. That's less than my PS3, which is the model that was released on the PS3's launch that I got. I mean, you can easily get that on a phone Yeah. or an and iPod. And, and the good thing about the Wii U, of course, is it's, it is solid state. So, yes, it yeah. does... Th- then that memory costs more... And they also
0: have more flexible external hard drive options. They, they do. But that, the I, don't, the I don't see that as a solution to the problem. It,
1: it, it's not. But the other thing is, too, I don't, I don't know how many Wii, game, Wii U games I own. Now, it has to be at least 20, 20-some 20 games. Yeah, but Plus, you have them all on disc, right? I have them all on disc. Yeah, well. But hold on. I have all those games on disc. And I'm not running out of memory on my hard drive. I have two full Wii U games that I can play right now. I have Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, and I have Pikmin 3. Mm -hmm. I also have Dr. Luigi. I have all my virtual console games. I have all the save files for my Wii games. I have all my Wii virtual console games, all the save files and patches for my Wii U games, and I'm still not near 50% of all my memory being taken up. Uh... If I had 20 PS4 games... I'd be out of fucking memory.
0: Okay, but you're also comparing 20 full-on PS4 installations to, like, a bunch of, like, virtual console things that take a few megabytes.
1: No, I have 20 physical disks of Wii U games, at -hmm. least.
0: Oh, oh, okay, so you're you're saying that if the Wii U had mandatory installations, the... Right. Okay, well, yeah, I see that.
1: So a lot of people bitch about the 32 gigabytes the Wii U has, but if you have 500 gigabytes on your on your ps4 yeah that's great but you know you have games now like arkham knight coming out that that require 65 gigabytes on their install
2: Mm, well
1: if you have a 500 gigabyte hard drive you can only install that game what five times six times
0: yeah it's a little less than a fifth of your entire storage space so yeah games aren't getting smaller no, no, they're not. So this has been a long time coming. Yeah. Um, it's about time. It does. I'm curious. Did they actually mention in this announcement what the um, the RPMs are on that hard drive? Because it's not solid state, so you no. still get disk platters. Did it say? I I didn't see it. We can take a look. Um, I'm just curious because if if they're gonna. If, I'm wondering if they're going, like, with the cost-saving measure and sticking with a slower speed, or if they're going to go with something I, higher. Oh, they don't actually say, do they? No. Interesting.
1: I think they're going to go the same speed they got for the PS4 right now, which isn't terribly slow. But it is this something that x86 architecture kind of... You know, I said I'd come to this later from before. x86 architecture-based systems... Because PCs have had this mandated for a long time, too. When's the last... I can't even remember the last time when I had a physical PC game that you could play straight off the disc.
0: No, it's been a very long time. No, you usually... Usually, you'd have to install and then also keep the disc in the drive. Yeah, I That's it, been the standard for quite some time. Has now.
1: it ever been a case for a PC game where you played it straight off the disc?
0: yeah. It's it's happened before, but like I said, it's been a very long time. Like, I mean, I, I know that's a different culture too, because it stemmed from floppy drives and having to install it into your drive. Sure. Um, terabyte, finally, good for them. Yeah, and if you don't, you know, want to uh, invest in that, or, or I suppose even if you do, um, you'll be able to finally get your uh, current gen games for your Xbox One and your PS4. From Redbox, they just announced recently that they are now going to be including those games in their library at all roughly thirty five thousand rental kiosks worldwide. So, um, I do you suppose rent the very I do not at all. Yeah, I never I have. I, I don't either. No, but I mean it's there. I mean I suppose you know. Well, what like we said we're what two years into this generation now, so I suppose it's about time.
1: I mean, they, I've been seeing them at Redboxes near my house.
0: The uh, the newer games? Yeah. Yeah.
1: They've been out for a while now. I don't know. It's good, that, I guess if you like renting, I mean, it's it's almost a better option than Gamefly.
0: I mean, if, if you like renting, I mean, that's basically the last bastion of rentals, right? It's not like you can walk into a blockbuster anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really
1: do miss that. But, you know, speaking of Gamefly... They'll be releasing their streaming service on Amazon Fire TV, which I guess is, I don't know, it's like that thing no one uses from
0: Amazon, oddly enough. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's a, that is a great way of putting it.
1: But it, it shows it shows the power of what streaming is going to be. Uh, I'm surprised they're not coming out with, like, Chromecast or... Uh, something else, or just uh, trying to adapt to the smart TVs.
0: I mean, this might just be me, but is there really that big of a user base for even something like Chromecast? I don't know. Like, uh,
1: but it shows that they're getting a streaming platform, which is really goes back to what we talked about last week with how streaming is... I, I think it's the future. I don't want it
0: to be, but I think it's the future of gaming. I, I think we're heading there. I, I actually kind of feel like this is a weird choice, just given with, like, the demise of OnLive recently and everything. Uh-huh. I don't know. This just seems strange to me. Like, I, I know that PlayStation Now is now becoming more of a thing, mm-hmm. right? So, I guess they're seeing that and trying to, like, jump on the bandwagon, but I just... I don't know if this is the right time. Like, I still don't think that, what? like, the proliferation of decent broadband is enough.
1: We well, have to remember, like Gamefly and and PS Now who, I'll just mesh them together here. Uh, PS Now, which is now on Samsung TVs. Uh, it, it just goes to show, I mean, both of these platforms, Sony and Gamefly, have their money, make their money in other ways besides streaming right now. So if streaming sure. comes up and it starts making money for them, uh, it's it's going to be a big win for them. Because right now, like Gamefly gets most of their money probably just through subscriptions. And the people subscribe, they pay, they get their games, they turn them in, they get them back. Sony, of course, well, they're not making money. But where they do make money is with the PS4 and games and licensing. So whatever they're making off PS now, I mean, it must be working for them because they are expanding. They're not dipping back. And the fact that they're going to another company with, like, Samsung for their smart TVs shows that it's big enough for another company to be like okay you can come on our TV now too to at least you know it's drawing enough interest that it might be they're they're afraid it might take away from their TV sales
0: yeah this and actually this is pretty interesting with the announcement of uh, being able to play PS3 games directly from certain models of Samsung smart TVs not all of them but uh it is, I mean, I will say it is pretty cool. Like, it's 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 a step in a direction that is at least interesting. And um, if you want to avoid this whole debate about storage space and things like that on a dedicated console, then that's pretty much right up your alley. Now, it is still going to require a PlayStation 4 controller. That's something you're going to have to buy separately. It's not going to come, like, packaged with your TV or you know, you're not going to get one in the mail when you subscribe to this service or anything, but um, if this all works as it should then, yeah, it pretty much circumvents having to buy a console in the first place I mean, uh, of course, you know for now at least, if you want to play the newest games, like as I said this is PS3 right, but it's a good start you know, and and I don't know. Like uh, we had this discussion before about whether or not this is something we really want to see as like the de facto way to play games moving forward. Because no. That, right, because <laughs> there's the argument to be made about um, at <laughs> at least a sense of ownership uh, mm-hmm. of of the games that you play. But it seems like an inevitable conclusion, as much as we perhaps don't like it. All right. Other things that we have talked about not
1: being the future, Mm. virtual reality, virtual Mm. reality, and the Oculus Rift, huge, huge news coming out, I don't know if we call it pre-E3 or when you want to call it E3, I mean, it's kind of starting to kick off, tons of news coming from the Oculus Rift.
0: Yeah, so Oculus had, which I I will go ahead and say it's a pre-E3 conference, because like... This technically, I believe, was actually before the official start of E3. They kind of preempted some things. This was on um, Thursday. Yeah, so there was a ton of new news that came out of this conference. Um, One being that they've shown the, the final consumer version of the Oculus Rift, and it seems that they've definitely made some improvements over the few dev kit iterations they've had up until this point. One thing to note is that it seems as though it is actually uh, significantly lighter than the previous versions, which was something that we had discussed as a potential problem, because if you're going to have something strapped to your face, you don't want to feel like you have a brick on your eyeballs while you're playing. No one does. So that's definitely a plus. And I say, all this
1: news has Oculus picking up Steam, Ooh, <laughs> but... ooh. You know I'll keep those comments at home, but okay. As he's cringing based off those reactions. Okay, it's terrible. all they're coming out with an with a uh, OS plat- then the Another bi- next big news: they're coming out with their own storefront like Steam, and they're calling it Home. Yep. As it's compete. You know, I wouldn't say compete with Steam because it's something different. I, I was kind of thinking that maybe the Oculus would utilize already set up foundations that it may use Steam. Uh, in, in a way, but, you know, the fact that they're coming yeah. out with this shows that they're they're going from some more just dedicated exclusivity to try and get to this headset, which
0: I think is going to benefit them in the long run. Yeah, as much as I don't like the sort of, like, platform fragmentation that's been happening with the popularity of Steam and everybody trying to jump on that bandwagon. So you end up with things like Uplay and Origin and Desora, which is now bankrupt and whatever. Good old games. Good old games. Ev- Bundle. Everybody has their own Steam-like platform. And so you end up having to manage your games in like six something different places if, you know, you're playing enough of them. Um, and in some cases, like I had mentioned before, you buy a game on Steam, and it still requires Uplay. So then you have to launch Uplay and Steam in order to play your game, which is bullshit. But I digress. So, uh, But for this in particular, I think just because of how different this is from your typical game, um, this makes sense. You're going to have like a centralized place where you can go, and you know whatever you're getting has been built to work with your oculus so it it's it makes sense to me um one quick note on the actual headset itself in addition to um the modifications to make it a little bit lighter they have also discussed um having a slider built in there to adjust the distance um between the screens so that it will more easily accommodate Hopefully everyone, because not everybody's eyes are the same distance apart. It gets and, people sick. Yeah, and so they're really trying to avoid any of that motion sickness issues that you know they've run into in the past, and that's one way um, to sort of mitigate that. Uh, some other big things kind of come out of this. Uh, they they mm-hmm. developer's been doing Ratchet and Clank. I don't
1: think it's uh, I don't think it's Insomniac. Uh, maybe Insomniac. Let me take a look here. But their next game is going to be VR exclusive. And actually, uh, Steam's been been able to pick a lot of developers, a lot of big ones. Uh, I know Square Enix, they signed on board. Uh, A couple of other big publishers and developers signed on board. Is it Insomniac? Yeah, it is. So Insomniac's next game is going to be VR exclusive. And for the Rift, I think that's significant too because, hey, it's not for the Morpheus.
0: I mean, that is true. So, apparently this thing is going to be called Edge of Nowhere. It's going to come out sometime in 2016, and as we mentioned, it's exclusive to the Rift. Mm -hmm. Okay, one thing that strikes me as a little odd about this is apparently it's in third person. Does that not, like, kind of defeat the purpose of the Oculus Rift? Usually. I don't understand why it would have to be an exclusive then. I I don't actually know. Like, I mean, they they said it's built from the ground up for virtual reality, so it's not going to be like one of those cases with like 3D movies where you know that it was like converted after the fact because it kind of looks like shit. But again, that's great. I'm just, I guess I'm having a hard time seeing why because the whole idea with a VR headset is you're supposed to be like immersed in it Mm -hmm. as the person, the character. So being in third person kind of already defeats, defeats that. Defeats the purpose. I don't. But, I, I, you know, whatever. It might work out. I don't know. I, I mean, still have clearly very they know effects. what they're doing. Like, who the fuck am I to tell Insomniac how to make a game, right? But, so. I mean, they're going to have... It's, it's going to be for the 3D effects mostly.
1: Mm. I mean, think about how many games that came out of the Virtual Boy ended up getting ported over to other systems with slight
0: adjustments. Zero. Okay, thank you. I thought you knew something I didn't because I was no. like, I'm pretty sure nobody touched that. No, no one did. But they had <laughs> they had some good games like Mario Tennis, uh, Wario I mean, Land. So when you say good games, you mean like games that would have been good if they weren't on a Virtual Boy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes well, the, sense. Wa- the Wario game was good. Mario Tennis was good. Telero Boxer wasn't
1: terrible. Mm-hmm. It's like Rock'em and Socking and Robots. I mean, there's been if, better games. But. If only
0: your eyes didn't bleed
1: after playing it for about 15 minutes. Well, that, that would help. <laughs> uh, the biggest, I would say the biggest, biggest news uh, to come out of the Oculus events is that Oculus and Microsoft have announced a partnership. This, I think, is undoubtedly the biggest news to come out. I think it says a lot about where Microsoft's HoloLens isn't. Hmm and how much faith they have in what they're doing with it. And this could be the slam-dunk Oculus needed to kind of diversify itself and offer itself as an accessory for more than just your PC.
0: I mean, it definitely seems like there are some very distinct lines being drawn in the sand at this point with people sort of, like, picking sides on this whole VR front. So uh, it's going to be an interesting battle, to say the least. But because of this partnership, you're, the Oculus is going to come with an
1: Xbox One controller. Mm-hmm. Which I, didn't, I like the PS4 controller more. Not a bad controller. But it's going to come with an Xbox One controller, so there's going to be some familiarity for the Oculus right off the bat for people who don't want to have their new weird controller, which I've seen it looks like a couple of wee nunchucks, essentially. <laughs> at least from what I've seen. And then you got got... Uh, you're going to be able to stream Xbox One games to your Oculus. I think that's very important. I think uh, this 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 partnership here is big for Microsoft. I know we were talking about before whether or not you know, our Oculus porn discussion, what Microsoft is going to do with it, whatever Microsoft is going to do. I think they might just hitch their wagon to Oculus at this point. <laughs> We've really seen nothing that come has come out from. Uh, Microsoft regarding the HoloLens any serious developments uh, we've seen real things from Sony and we've seen real things from Valve but we haven't seen any real things yeah yeah, we're looking at the controller right now for the Oculus it looks like a
0: woman's anatomy <laughs> with a with controller on top I mean you know I wouldn't have gone with that but now I can't unsee that so thank you thank you for that Okay, so, now, there actually is a legit reason for this, like, weird circular thing around your hand, because in addition to the, there's an analog stick, an analog trigger, and two buttons that are on each of these, and you hold one in each hand, and then there's this circular piece that goes, like, around underneath your hand, and the reason for that is because there's sensors built in that will actually detect your finger movement so that you get finer, detailed control within a VR game. It looks fucking weird, but, like, functionally, it it makes sense. So this is basically your alternative to using an Xbox One controller, which it remains to be seen whether one or the other is going to be, you know, better. I still looks like... It looks like the evolution of a Weenow Chuck. Yeah, I mean, to a certain degree, yeah. It, it certainly does. I mean, I actually... It looks to me like pretty natural way of controlling this honestly i'm
1: not saying it's but bad I, I like the Wii nunchuck i might be in the minority i really do like the nunchuck
0: it never really bothered me i mean it, it, the motion control piece is an entirely different story but the nunchuck i never had an issue with so what do you think about the microsoft thing
1: <clears throat> i mean what do you think about, what does this say about the hololens I mean well, we really haven't so, seen anything regarding the HoloLens. We've no, just heard about it.
0: No, we haven't, and I think the only thing I saw them say anything about after this, because this obviously was a topic that immediately came up when you know, they announced that they're partnering with this, was just like some kind of very quick offhanded statement about like, well, you know, this this is also a way for us to differentiate, you know, the HoloLens, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, we're going to take it in a different direction than the Oculus, and this, you know, presents a different opportunity, which, it, honestly... It's a face mask. It, it just sounds like a whole bunch of corporate spin to, yeah. we probably don't know what the fuck we're doing with this thing, and we might not really want it anymore, but we need to acknowledge it still exists for now. And so or, or we
1: have a prototype going and it doesn't look nearly as good as anything Oculus
0: is doing yeah. and so we're uh, just going to quietly let it die and we're going to focus on this partnership instead. We're going to go send it to go hang out with Connect where it
1: belongs. But you know, I it, it, I think it I, this more shows not so much where Oculus is but it shows where Microsoft isn't. I think they just feel like they need
0: an answer to the Morpheus. Because Microsoft always has to
1: respond to whatever Sony's doing. That's where they're at right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems that the VR headsets are the new arms race at this point, right? I would say so. I don't think it's going to be successful for everybody, but, you know... Speaking of arms races... Yes! Uh, <clears throat> there is one man who certainly likes his his armaments, and that would be the Punisher. 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 So The Punisher is slated to show up in season two of the Netflix original series Daredevil, which, as we would mentioned before, if you are not watching, what is wrong with you? Because you should be. And it would seem that Jon Bernthal has been um, confirmed to be The Punisher, which I actually really like as a casting choice. Like, I enjoyed him in The Walking Dead as much as I hated his character and what he's done for my first name. I will say that right now. That any time now that anybody who's watched The Walking Dead, they will associate my name with that guy, and he was a dick. But um, he was very good at being a dick. It's sort of like Mm -hmm. the Joffrey Syndrome. Like That kid was amazing at being a total asshole, and people see him as that now. But, um, no, I think he's going to make a really good Punisher. I'm actually excited to see this. I'm just excited to see the Punisher. Uh, I mean, yeah. I
1: think he's a very... Because I think he resonates with uh, the same kind of community, the same kind of people. I mean, the people who watch The Walking Dead are probably watching Daredevil. Probably. I think this is a great casting call. This is a great pickup. Uh, This is a great character to bring into the fold, and I hope they give the Punisher something after this, too. Because if you've watched Daredevil and you know how dark and gritty and violent this show is, the Punisher is perfect in this world. Mm, He is mm -hmm. absolutely perfect. And if they find a way to make him perfect in that world and they give him his own sort of thing, whether it be a movie or a TV series, you know that the dedication is going to be there just for the fact they're making this character. And I cannot be more excited to see a good casting choice with a good actor and a good character... In a series where they're going to be willing to take risks, it's gonna. I'm excited. I'm very excited. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And in addition to uh, to Frank Castle joining the cast, there's also been a few rumors that uh, some of the other Daredevil mainstays like Elektra and Bullseye might be making an appearance. Did you hear it's supposed to be so, Bullseye? Uh, no, actually, I haven't. I, I, this is a rumor. This is a strictly rumor. That please don't say Colin
1: Farrell. <laughs> no. He, he already had no, his no, chance. No, 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 It's It's it's, it's maybe more laughable. Jason Statham.
0: Really? Okay. I actually like Jason Statham. I'm just going to say that. Like. He, he's good for dumb action flicks. I mean, yeah. I, I can't see him.
1: I'm thinking about how he would look in the Daredevil series.
0: And I just think he's too over the top for it. Okay, you say that, but have you seen Snatch? Have you ever watched the movie Snatch?
1: Yeah, but that's Jason Statham well before he started doing all this other shit.
0: That doesn't mean he doesn't still have the capacity to be that. I think that he's just fallen into a typecast. I, I just think he's too big. He's too big of a name,
1: and at the same time, while he's too big of a name, his shit's still too cheesy and way over the top. I, I, it's, it's enjoyable, but it's just way over the top for the what mood Daredevil sets. I think he could pull it off. Because, I mean, you do have some big names in Daredevil right now, right? You have Rosario Dawson, uh, Rosario Dawson. Yeah. You have... Uh, I, uh, um, Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio's yeah. kingpin. Um, so they're well-known actors, but they're not A-listers. And while I'm not, I wouldn't call Jason Statham an A-lister, he's a more recognizable face than either of them two right now. Like way 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 more recognizable which could be good I just don't see him with the here's what I'm saying I haven't seen him in a role where he can just act his ass off like
0: everyone in that show is doing right now Mm. yeah okay I mean I I, I guess I can kind of see that like there's a certain depth there that I suppose he may not have shown in a lot of the work that he's done up until this point. I'm not saying that he's entirely incapable of doing it. And a lot of his earlier work like Lockstock and mm-hmm. snatch, I think he could probably pull it off. Oh, he has much better range in those movies. Yes. Yeah. But he hasn't um, been asked to do anything like that since then. No, you're right. No. Um, but again, at this point, it's only a rumor. I, 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 listen, like I said, because of those movies and because I love those particular movies so much, I personally have kind of a soft spot for the guy anyway, even though I haven't seen a lot of his more recent, like, schlocky action movies. So, I wouldn't be totally broken up if he ended up on there, but... You know his most recent mm-hmm. movie is a buddy comedy with Melissa McCarthy? Great! You could have probably not told me that because I didn't know that, and now you're ruining it for me. There you go. See, this is why I'm concerned. I hate you. And see, John Bernthal has shown <laughs> the range, and, and yes. Ooh, speaking of that, have you seen Fury? Did you watch that? I have not seen Fury. Oh, it was really is good. Is that game. the movie with the tank? World War II tank crew? Brad Pitt? Yeah. Oh, I want to see it. It is a good movie, and John Bernthal is in that, and oh my God, his character is a dick. Like, if you thought... Shane was bad in yeah. *The Walking Dead*. This guy.
1: See, that's the thing. This guy can act. Oh he yeah. He can fucking act, and no, everyone else like in the show can act. That's why when I hear rumors of Jason <laughs> Statham, I'm just like, uh, maybe. But speaking of Daredevil, yes, uh, the Daredevil showrunner has allegedly been pinned to write the live-action Akira movie. Now, some of you may be wondering. What the fuck is Akira? Akira, for those of you who don't know, is a very early anime. Uh, Pretty much, I think it pretty much made Western audiences finally understand that there is an animated market in Japan that was quality beyond Astro Boy. Mm. It it was mature and dark. And now they want to make a live action film for it, for better or worse. But... This is a little bit of hope right here, saying that the
0: Daredevil showrunner is going to be picked to write this. So the funny thing about this is that in like nobody gave a shit about showrunners, right? For basically ever up until I didn't really
1: recognize the term.
0: Yeah, and up until very recently, and I want to say that it really became more of a thing with people like. Um, Like, uh, J.J. Abrams and, like, uh, with The Walking Dead specifically, like, the the showrunner became a huge deal. And so now, like, that's actually become a much more prominent thing that people pay attention to. Which is interesting because prior to these guys, you know, nobody really cared. Or, like, Joss Whedon, for example. Mm -hmm. That's another good one. But... With the quality that we've seen so far in the first season of Daredevil, um, I feel like this adaptation, if it happens, um, seems like it's in good hands. Now, do we know anything uh, as far as where this thing's going to end up? Is it going to be like a Netflix exclusive? Is it going to be... I think it's supposed to go into... Movie supposed to be a
1: major theatrical release. Oh okay. Uh, I'm still hesitant on it because just because you know uh, someone from a series I like, and I didn't recognize the name. I'm I'm looking it up right now. Um, Just because I don't recognize the name doesn't mean it's going to be bad. But like one of the things I'm very wary when it comes to when they want to make anime adaptations and make them a live film. I I can't think of anything for the life of me where this has been done right and done with a high level of quality. I don't care who's writing for it. It's going to be a challenge. I think Akira lends itself better just because it's an anime with very realistic and dark tones and they don't really do anything too out of something we haven't seen in live action films so far. But it's still taking concepts and other ideas
0: that is, it's going to lose something in translation no matter what you do, unfortunately. So the interesting thing about this, I actually was not aware of a lot of the backstory to this thing, Mm -hmm. but evidently this adaptation of Kira has sort of been in like development hell since about 2008. Yeah. With a lot of really big names sort of coming and going on it. Um, actors like James Franco, Gary Oldman, uh, Helena Bonham Carter, even fucking Zac Efron, <laughs> and, and Keanu Reeves himself have been attached to this project at one point or another. The showrunner, by the way, his name is Marco
1: Ramirez from the Daredevil series. Now, one of the animes that's going to be coming back is Mega Man.
0: Okay, now you say coming back, was there one? There's been some Mega Man
1: animes in the past with mixed results. Okay. Uh, some people like some of the other ones, some people don't. But it is, like it's coming back, Mega Man, uh, Capcom announced Mega Man is going to be coming back for anime series. Uh, to kind of coincide with Mega Man's 30th, is it, is it 30th? Yeah, 30th anniversary. Mega Man turns 30 next year's folks. So, uh, if you played the first couple, then just age yourself and either cry or celebrate, depending on what you got. Mega Man is just about as old as I am. Yeah, isn't, that, isn't that crazy? It's wonderful. It's crazy. Great. Um, but, you know, Mega Man has probably lent itself to be a good anime. It's probably not going to be the greatest, of course. Uh, it's, it's set up well. I mean, you have like 5,000 different robots that he can fight every week at this point. Uh, it seems to be based, it's going to be based off the, uh, Legacy series, which is not X. In addition to this, you know, Capcom also said that they're going to be coming out the Mega Man Legacy game for the PS4 and Xbox One. I can't know if it's for and PC, I'm not sure if it's going to be
0: for Wii U or not, but it's only going to include Mega Man's one through six, which is awful. But see, that's also kind of a weird thing, just in my own mind, that, like there's a Mega Man game that's like not gonna be on a Nintendo console. That seems strange to me. Well I I can't remember. I, I kinda looked at it I was so disgusted with the story.
1: <laughs> uh because it it might come out for Wii U or three D S or something. You have to remember like all of them are already on the three the the Wii U and three D S anyway. Yeah. I mean to that's true. Th- to a lesser I mean they're all in the PS three too because they're in the import section in the PSN network. You can get mm. them all their their Japanese release. The thing that's upsetting about it is if uh you're playing games if this is the thirtieth anniversary, so I think it's scheduled to come out twenty sixteen. That means in two thousand one Capcom released the Mega Man Anniversary Collection, or two thousand two, for fifteenth anniversary, and that came with Mega Man's one through eight and the Power Fighters, and then they came out with the Mega Man X collection. The next year it came out with Mega Man's one Mega Man X's one
0: through six with uh Rockman Battle and Chase. I do recall that there was a Mega Man cartoon. Yeah, that'd be right? it. It's it was I think it was actually made in Japan. That wasn't Western developed. Was it? Yeah. I thought it was Western for some reason. I thought that was like along the same lines like the like the Super Mario Brothers super show and like that really awful like Legend of Zelda show. Yeah, it may have been. Were those Western developed? I I thought they were. I mean, if they weren't, then they were at least like they kinda must have taken the same route as like Power Rangers where there was like piece that was filmed in America and then they just reused Japanese footage for the rest of it? I don't know. Excuse me, Shane. (laughs) I was going to say Princess I mean, I appreciate that you omitted that part at the very (laughs) least.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Dodongos, man. Uh, New Mega Man anime coming. For those of you who care, I know there's a lot of people out there that absolutely love Mega Man. I love Mega Man. I know Shane is not one of the Mega Man lovers, but... Uh, uh there's a lot of people out there I know that still care about Mega Man. I think this was the that was the last time I ever got really excited over a video game analysis when Mega Man was coming to Smash Brothers even though I don't care about that game. So any any new Mega Man news is always exciting. Uh before we head to our main topic, uh we're just going to touch on an actor that uh did a lot for movies and, and genres that, you know, that we covered and meant a lot to these things, and Christopher Lee. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Christopher Lee died at the age of 93, and he was really important uh, as an actor towards a lot of the things we're interested in, in terms of our movies, in terms of our interests, a lot of crossovers, uh, especially the Star Wars and Lord of the Rings franchises, amongst others. So uh, Shane, I know you've been following this guy's career a lot more closely than I have, <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, yes and no, but I mean, it, I, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't at least mention it, because uh, Sir Christopher Lee did, in fact, have quite a large contribution to the acting world over the 93 years that he was uh, on this earth with us. Uh, if you really don't know who he is, uh, he was the one that played Saruman in Lord of the Rings, as well as Count Dooku in the Star Wars prequels. Uh, Not only that, he was a Bond villain, um, and he also was one of the more notable actors to play Count Dracula. Uh, And then in addition to his many acting accolades over the years, uh, he he also collaborated on several uh, heavy metal Christmas albums, which in my book makes him badass as hell.
1: And he's 93! 93!
0: Yeah, he was this this wasn't something he was doing like decades ago only. Like he was doing this up until very recently. So, um this guy and then in addition to that, he was also a very decorated war veteran, um, and evidently very lethal. So Um, that actually reminds me of just a quick story that I remember from the production yes I'm thinking where you're going with this yeah I love this story so the production of Lord of the Rings uh, there was one point where they were having a discussion about how one character like would end up stabbing another one like in the back I think and I for the life of me I can't actually remember the scene they were talking about but Christopher Lee and Peter Jackson were having this discussion about how this should look and Mr. Jackson had his idea from a, you know, directorial standpoint, and um, <laughs> and Christopher Lee was basically just like, uh, listen, I actually stabbed people, like, for a living. Wasn't this in- kind of like, imagine what your mind would
1: be doing when you're, you're about to kill somebody? Yeah. yeah. He essentially said, I don't have to imagine
0: this. Yeah, he's like, no, I, I've done this, and... So, he was like, this is how it really happens. This is what it looks like when a man dies. (laughs) Like, that is some hardcore shit right there. (laughs) Um, Fun fact about him, too. He actually really wanted to play uh, Gandalf. That was, like, his one thing when this came around. Is like, he really, really wanted to play Gandalf, but it didn't end up working out. But he made an excellent Sauron in any case. But... Just something we wanted to touch on really quickly because he did make a very large impact um, in the media that a lot of us enjoy. So, okay. Let's go
1: to our main topic today, which is YouTube. Especially yes. just all things YouTube, what, what YouTube is to us, what we think YouTube is to you, and what we think YouTube will be past, present, future.
0: So, uh, YouTube has really become one of the major outlets for gaming journalism, I suppose, if you'd like to call it that. Well, I will say that I'm using that term loosely. Um, and a lot of people that cover game content on YouTube or even more dedicated blogs and things like that will often say they don't necessarily <laughs> consider themselves journalists in a traditional it sense. it's more for convenience sake. But... Um, but yeah, it's it's really become one of the major players in where people go to get information. And not only that, just entertainment. I mean, Let's Players are huge on YouTube. And I'll be honest, I don't know why. I know I... I we know quite a few people who do Let's Plays. Sure. And logically, it doesn't really make much sense, right? You're like, why would I want to watch someone else play? play something that mm-hmm. I'm it's supposed to be an interactive medium so mm-hmm. why would I watch this I thought that for a while too and I've sort of fallen into it I don't know it's strangely entertaining and I think a big part of it is it really has to do with the personality of the the youtuber Well, oh, that's the biggest thing about let's
1: plays mm-hmm. I,
0: I I've tried really really hard to get into let's
1: place especially because um I mean, like, locally, I mean, we, we, we know a lot of people, like I was just saying, that they're in the Let's Plays. And I, I watch their stuff, and it's, it's good quality stuff. I'm, I can't get into Let's Plays. Whatever. And, and I watch the bigger ones, like Markiplier and uh, PewDiePie and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I, I can't get into it. It's, it's, it's like, you're, you're talking while you're playing. I was like I'd rather be playing the game.
0: Yeah, and I don't know. Like, I think that is a big part of it. It's really the personality of the person. Um, I think that's what sells it more than the actual gameplay in a lot of Mm -hmm. cases. And I will say I subscribe to, like, Markiplier, but I don't always watch all of his videos. That's kind of hit or miss for me. I know for a fact that we know at least a few people here locally that are, like, really into his stuff but for me personally it just doesn't always hit on all the right cylinders. I I actually really like Game Grumps. <laughs> I know for a fact that there's uh, at least a few people okay. that I'm friends with yeah. that really do not like them. But uh, I will I, say I do. What I've seen from
1: them I have enjoyed. And I do like ga- I don't consider them really Let's Plays, though. I know they are, but I don't They look basically at the
0: are. I mean, yeah. they're essentially just talking over them playing a game for, like, 10 to 15 minutes at a time.
1: You know what it is? It reminds me of back when, um, like, when we were kids. Mm. And we didn't have, like, this uh, internet gaming. And you're just listening to, like, yourself and your friend talk to each
0: other while you're playing a two-player game on the couch.
2: Yeah. Or, or yeah.
0: yeah it's... That's what it reminds me of. And that's what really sells that, right? Is that there's that chemistry there between the two people playing. And... I'm not going to delve like into like a lot of Game Grumps history or whatever because that's going to be like a whole other thing oh god let's not please (laughs) because then we're also going to start bringing up the people that are on like one side of the JonTron fence and the other people that are on the Danny side and that's Mm -hmm. like that's a whole other battle I don't want to get into that's like that's all Egoraptor and and JonTron right well, originally, Game Grumps was Egoraptor and Jontron. And then Jon left, and there was some, like, weird Game Grumps conspiracies about why that happened, and they right. have not said why, and honestly, I don't give a shit. It's their business. And then Danny came in, and it's two different, it's really two different uh, chemistries there. Mm-hmm. Like, originally, Jon was the more sp- uh, spastic one which allowed like Aaron to play like the straight man in the in that duo and I, I actually think in a lot of cases that worked out better for the comedy that they were presenting um, there's a very different dynamic between Danny and Aaron now so Aaron has to be the crazy one because Danny is like super laid back all the time uh, so it's very different. It doesn't, I don't think, always work as well, mm-hmm. but it has its own charm. But I digress. That That's really, I think, for me anyway, like, the big thing for Let's Plays is it really has to do with the personality of the people that are presenting the video. Because if you're not engaging enough or you're not entertaining enough then you are literally just a person that's playing a game that someone else could be doing on their own time. Right. Now, when it comes to YouTube
1: itself, I I look at kind of how it's changed, even since I really started getting into YouTube. I didn't really watch YouTube until, I want to say, the first YouTube video that started getting me to watch YouTube was when Angry Joe did his video on the top 10 reasons we hated the Mass Effect ending. <laughs> I can't remember what was that was that 2012 or
0: 2011? I'm or even not sure because I didn't even know about Angry Joe until about a year ago. That that but was about I, the time I really started watching
1: YouTube. And um, the thing that really started me turning and watching YouTube even more was Classic Game Room. Have you ever seen Classic Game Room? I haven't, actually, no. It's uh, it's one of the... F- he, he's been around... He's been making videos since about 2008. Okay. He's been making video game reviews. Like, there was a... For the longest time, he made a new review every day for a video game. Yeah. This guy has several thousand videos on his uh, YouTube channel, and he has a sub-channel that he has other guys make videos for, and they, there was, they make a video, a new video every day for a new game. They review a new game every day. And for a while, like there is a stretch from
0: that they're making two to three videos a day of reviews. They have tons. Yeah. I say that that is a crazy amount of content, especially for reviews because that takes a lot more mm-hmm. effort.
2: <laughs> but, oh, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: But I'll say, going back, I started watching, I want to say, I really started watching back in 2012 or so. A lot of the channels I still watch. I don't really want to slam. I don't want to go too deep into the channels I watch. I'll bring them up as they come. But there's a lot of channels back in 2012 that they seemed more authentic than where they're at today. <clears throat> Especially yeah. in terms of the gaming community. I understand like you're going to have your Vivo, your 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 kind of pop culture kind of stations that are always going to be kind of corporate and how they present themselves. But there was this authenticity to a lot of the channels. I think I'll go with one that's probably a lot of people are going to recognize, uh, the Game Theorists. Yeah. And, and Game Theory. And where it, was, it seemed more authentic, and it seemed more from the heart, and it seemed more like you know this guy really trying to push out something that he was having fun with and really trying to develop. Whereas now he seems more of this shill that just tries to ping on
0: very popular,
1: relevant items to try and pop his views.
0: Yeah, and and something that I suppose would be a little more recent, because they haven't been as long-running as some of those other ones, but I know that you and I have had this discussion already. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, someone like The Completionist, for example. I, okay, again, this is going back to, like, the personality thing. I got into the Completionist videos because I really enjoyed the dynamic that he had with uh, Mark, right? His name is Greg, Mark? Greg. 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 Why did I say Mark? Because we are talking about Markiplier, maybe it kind of stuck in your head. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Greg. Yeah, Greg. They had a really good, like, back and forth going on those videos, and that, for me, is what really made it entertaining. It wasn't so much necessarily about what they were saying about mm-hmm. the games that they were, like completing, it was just the dynamic between the two and the humor that came out of that. That's why I liked it. And after Greg ended up leaving, I've been having a really hard time continuing to watch the videos. And more recently, because you're still watching them, right? I I am. Okay. So like uh, the most recent one they had, I believe, unless I'm behind, I don't know, but... Uh, he incorporated like a ton of other people into that video. That felt weird and I almost want to say kind of feels like it's overcompensating. It feels forced for yeah for if, something that's missing because he's using other youtubers
1: that are really well known yeah and that's been one of my that's been one of my principal pet peeves and things that irritate me when they they other youtubers come on channels. Uh, like, popular ones. I can understand if, like, he's a little dog in the fight. Mm. But I look at some channels like, you're not a little dog in the fight anymore. And when I see you using channels that are bigger than yours and getting more views than yours, and you're using these people to come on your channels, you're like, I'm just going to prop my shit up because I need to recover something. Collaborations aren't bad, but that's not your show. I know we speak as people who don't make videos. (laughs) So...
0: (laughs) No, yes. I mean, <laughs> that's what you said before, I mean, yeah. Sure, but I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, It's entertainment now. This is right. this is the new TV. Right. I mean, this is you could say that about movie critics. We're like, well, you yeah. can criticize this, but can you make a movie? Well, no, they can't, but that doesn't mean I they, know what's good. they can't oh. criticize it. Yeah. So uh, so yeah. I mean, as far as the the impact that YouTube has had like on gaming and like just geek culture in general, it's been huge because at least for me, there was a time where, uh, you know, I, I would have to go... Well, actually, there was a time where I relied on my monthly issue of PC Gamer to tell me what games I should and shouldn't buy. Uh, and now, YouTube is, like, one of the first places I go. If I'm not familiar with something, I will go and look for a review in, in a lot of cases.
1: But it, this can get dangerous. Do you remember the Shadows of Mordor stuff that came out? You said you watched Total Biscuits, so you're probably familiar with what happened with uh, Shadows of Mordor. I watched the Jimquisition. Mm-hmm. I listen to his podcast too. Yep. Do you listen to uh, Jim Jimquisition as well? I don't listen to his podcast, but I watch the videos. Yeah. The videos. I I, yeah. I more watch the videos as well. But they're talking about what happened with Shadows of Mordor, where if you want to get a review copy and do a review on it, you'd have to follow certain rules. There's yeah. also the case where Microsoft came out and said, uh, you know you. You know, they paid people money to review games. And this is where it becomes dangerous for YouTubers. Because YouTube money itself isn't grand. You know, no. it isn't, isn't, isn't spectacular. It's not, I mean, it's. I think it's more, I don't think it's as much as people think it is. I, I'm not saying it's it's terrible. I mean, if you could tell me I can make 20 grand a year just making videos and playing games and make every single video game I buy a tax write-off. Well, you no, know, that's and yeah. I'm single. is not exactly a terrible life.
0: Um, no, and then of course you have like one, the the major outliers like mm-hmm. PewDiePie, who gets like eight millions. million views per video and makes really good money, <laughs> millions, millions of dollars a year. Yeah, from that. But um,
1: that this is where YouTube can start getting dangerous, especially with its popularity. There's less transparency now than others. We all know that Nintendo doesn't like people using its assets and reviews. So why are there popular YouTubers that are able to use their
0: assets for reviews? Because of Nintendo's, like, program that they instituted where they... But
1: not all of them seem to be under that program. That, mm. That's the weird thing. They seem to have these benefits when they invite all these guys up to Redmond and they have them play these games and they make videos based off of it. So when these reviewers that you start to learn to trust Mm. on YouTube, because YouTube in and of itself is put out there like these people making videos are more human than people that you read in a magazine or at a game site or on a TV show, you have to start wondering, you know, is the... Are the reviews genuine or is it money related? Because they can't go out there if they're getting special perks from Nintendo. A lot of these people are making very Nintendo friendly videos. Uh, the two most notable that come to my mind, I love their, their products. I'm not saying they do this at all, but it, you just have to be skeptical
0: like Pro Jared and The Completionist, right? Um, yeah. Well, yeah, because well, I mean, like, pro Jared had a what, Splatoon review recently, right. and
1: are they ever going to come out and ever really slam a Nintendo product?
0: Yeah, I don't know, and that's yeah, so that's where the transparency thing comes in, and and actually, I don't even know if transparency is going to necessarily solve the issue because, like, there have been cases where YouTubers that that I've watched, like, you watch them from when they started out. And as they evolve and get bigger, and then they realize that maybe that YouTube money just from view counts is not enough, everybody shills their Patreon. And then in addition to that, they start incorporating ads. Um, Audible is a very popular one, for Mm -hmm. example. Um, And actually, that threw me for a fucking loop the other day because I was watching an episode, and I don't remember which one it was, of... Game Grumps, and they started the episode with, like, a... I don't know, like, a solid, like, 30-second ad for, um... It's happening to a lot of them. For something, whatever it was. And, okay, to be fair, like, they made it, like, really entertaining, and it was goofy. It was goofy and shit, but it was still, like, I'm watching an ad. And so then you have to start to wonder, like, where... Like, whether or not you're really getting an unbiased opinion about things... And it's unfortunate, because for the longest time, that's a lot. Of, that's a big reason why a lot of people have been going to YouTube for things like game reviews and things like that, because we are operating under the assumption that these are just, you know, real people like you and I, who have no affiliation or no bias, and they're really just telling us what they feel about a game, and... It was the closest thing to something you could consider real. At- well, they've, they've blown that. And that's why I, I
1: love... I don't know if you watch GameSack. No. They don't, they don't pull any of that shit. Um, I mean, they, they have a lot of expensive games. I think they can be snobby from time to time. But they, they have really good videos. Um, Classic Gamer, which I mentioned before, mm. he only advertises his own stuff. Because of course you want to make money off your own stuff. I can sure. understand that. Uh, Pat the NES punk. Mm-hmm. I, uh, he, I haven't really seen him fi- No, he's starting to advertise Loot Crate, so I take that back. But uh, prior to that, he really wasn't. But Classic Game Rooms, a prime example of that, where you know it doesn't seem like he's sold out. You see a lot of these other guys, and I, they've sold out, in my
0: opinion. Because why wouldn't you? It's money. I so any, anyone
1: would take the money. I would take the
0: money. Well, sure, but I think there's, like, two different arguments to be made here, which is, on one hand, I get that they want to try to supplement their YouTube money with Mm -hmm. something else because, sure, it's probably not the greatest income in the world, especially if you're not getting multiple million views per video, which most people aren't. Um, Well, you also have to think block is starting to play into this as well. Oh, well, it has been for quite some time, actually. Yeah, it's getting worse. It's not getting better. No, um, so I don't blame them for it, but I think it's two different arguments there where, one, things that are not directly video game-related, like if they're just shilling Audible or, like, Loot Crate or whatever, they're doing that just for the ad money, and that's okay... I think it gets more sketchy when you start wondering whether or not the YouTuber you're watching was paid to review a game. That's where I think it gets worse. Because if they're just shilling a product, like, it's kind of shitty and whatever, but it's not necessarily affecting the viewpoint that you're getting from them. But if they're taking money from a publisher or a developer or something like that... Or they're being provided copies of games with the expectation that they're going to be giving positive reviews for it. Mm-hmm. That's where things get really slimy. Because they're not. I mean, they can always hide behind the shield that they're not journalists, they're right? Entertainers, right? Which is kind of going back to. So what
1: that's we were that's earlier. that's the line between being genuine and. And I, won't, I don't want to say insidious. It's between it's it's being genuine, and being propaganda. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and some of a lot of these guys, I think YouTube. I mean, YouTube has now in my life pretty much replaced TV. I think it's yeah, it's it's yeah. definitely the same for a lot of people younger than myself. That mm-hmm. YouTube is replacing, especially people with our interests, is replacing TV. It's definitely like the MTV of the early nineties is YouTube now. If you want to go watch music videos.
0: Oh, like, I mean, that's the only way that music gone. videos survive now is from YouTube and stuff like that. And you, uh, and you got Twitch. Um, well, speaking of that, now that you brought it <laughs> up, talking about YouTube, yeah, um, YouTube just made a actually pretty large announcement that they are launching something that they are calling YouTube Gaming, which is probably the least creative thing they could have come up with, but kind of gets to the point. Uh, And it's a direct competitor to Twitch, um, where they're going to be providing streaming services in addition to what YouTube already does with pre-recorded video. And based on the description that they gave, it looks like they're going to be including a lot of quality of life improvements and tools for streamers that I don't believe twitch necessarily has so and in addition to that you're already operating off of a backing and an infrastructure that google has in place which if this thing really takes off could be detrimental to twitch um i don't think it will be not not right off the bat youtube's
1: gonna need to find its identity
0: I'm, I'm looking not at right it off the to bat, do. no, but I mean, the way that they've sort of positioned this thing, if if they handle it correctly, I think it could actually be a pretty major, oh, of major course it's, blow it's gonna, to Twitch. It's,
1: it's going to be major, but I think right now when they say they have channels dedicated to individual games... People want their own channels with their own identities. They're not going to want to be told what kind of games they want to do.
0: Well, no, but that's the thing, is the way that they've sort of, like, described this is that you'll be able to have your own, like, streaming channel, but they're categorizing it in such a way that users can subscribe to, like, a game. So, like, for instance, if you're interested in watching Minecraft videos on this YouTube gaming thing, you can say, I am going to subscribe to Minecraft. Uh. And then that's going to aggregate, like all of the The streamers and let's players that are playing minecraft in one place so then you can go and look and be like oh okay well this is what i'm looking for so i mean it it's definitely going to be interesting but um but yeah i mean this just sort of like underscores i think the importance that youtube has in in the gaming community in particular now one thing when it comes to youtube is
1: especially with gamers now as we all know like gamers the gaming YouTubers are quick to cry on copyright. Mm-hmm. I, I think the most notable one recently was Angry Joe when he came out against Nintendo, uh, which was the second time he had problems with them. So he came out, he made a video for Mario Party 10. Mm-hmm. He made this video, which he knew was going to get a copyright strike. He gets this copyright strike and then he goes on a rant uh, about how Nintendo gave him a
0: copyright strike and Nintendo's greedy and he can't make any money off that video anymore. It almost makes you wonder if he did it like on purpose knowing that that was what was going to happen I,
1: I would, I would, if I, uh, by my guess of course he did Of course he would he, he knew it. he knew he was going to get attention if he went off of Nintendo because yeah. it, if you go off of Nintendo you make news especially if you're a big gamer, especially with like a million subs yeah you're going to make news. The problem I'm starting to get with youtubers is they're getting really really uppity about what they're starting to say. Um
0: I just, do you feel that YouTubers are perhaps becoming entitled? Is that you I don't think entitled is the right word, but it's it's
1: it works until I can find a better one. <laughs> I'll go um, with head. I'll go with entitled. Here's the thing. I can't walk into work. Well, I, I can on a, on a certain level, but I can't go into work and like like if we're at a big meeting, I can't get up and say, "You know what? This place is bullshit and it's fucked up and um, everything they do is fucking wrong and it's
0: fucking me. Now uh, give me my paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's essentially what YouTubers are doing. I mean you could and then that would be your last paycheck. Uh, But you
1: know. Yeah. uh, yeah. Um, But YouTubers are doing this. They're uploading videos saying hey YouTube is bullshit and they're fucking me out of my money. And they're doing this for videos on YouTube. Yeah. Like, YouTube doesn't have to pay you shit. YouTube is under no real obligation, like monetary obligation, to pay you anything. They're paying you stuff so you continue, like people who make money on YouTube, they're paying them so they continue to make videos on YouTube to generate traffic so YouTube and Google make money. Yeah. They could give a shit yeah.
0: less what your financial well-being is. I mean, they don't... Right. I mean, uh, clearly they don't care at that level. I mean, it is sort of a symbiotic relationship, though, of right? Course. Because, I mean, if they don't have the content creators, then they don't have the content, which means they don't have where, the views, so...
1: And while, we're, while you say that, where did that fucking phrase come up?
0: What? I'm a content creator.
1: No, you make fucking videos. Why? I, I, I make videos on YouTube. Why does it have to be content creator? Like why? It's like I, I, like I mean, you go I mean, to you Starbucks. Just... It's like you go to Starbucks. <laughs> you're not selling coffee anymore. You're a fucking barista. Oh god, we're getting into like that. You're not a goddamn argument. like janitors aren't janitors. They're they're tra- they're like um disposable waste technicians. It's it's like <laughs> I'm not a yo. Know, I make videos on YouTube as now I've become I'm a
0: content. Creator. Uh, excuse me. A janitor is a waste disposal engineer, I believe. <laughs>
1: like Jesus fucking (laughs) you make videos I'm not taking away from the effort it takes to make it I can imagine it takes a lot of effort to make these I
0: mean look to be fair like content creator looks much better on a resume than like dude who plays video games I mean there is that Uh, how about like a successful video entrepreneur or successful video... I mean, aren't you maker. just spinning it in a different bullshit way? Like, but is it's that more not, honest than content why? creator. It's accurate. You are creating content. God. That's what just, it is.
1: It, it's so frustrating. I Especially mean, when these motherfuckers go on and <coughs> say, Nintendo, someone claimed my stuff that I use without the permission and I can't stand it and it's not right and it's bullshit and they should pay me. I mean, just because that
0: you're taking issue with that particular, like, and I'm a content Name creator. It's it my content? I mean, it, I mean, it is.
1: Like, like, it just seems okay. Maybe this is why they're all starting to seem like they're like really over budgeted, and they're really starting to get like corporate. Is because maybe they're coming to the stunning realization that when you make videos in the real world, you have to go out and get licensing agreements, and you yeah. have to go out and get uh, permissions from people to do stuff. Like, it's one thing to do a straight-up review. That's fair use. You can't go after people for doing fair use. That should be something that's understood. But when you're making a video and you're borrowing assets and you're borrowing stuff from other venues without other people's permission and you are making money off of it, you're kind of doing things wrong.
0: No, I mean, well, absolutely, and actually, I, I even dicked around with this a little bit, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to say where or how to find it, but it's there. That like I, I messed around with like some let's playing stuff for a while, but I also took the due diligence to contact the publisher of the game that I was playing, and I said, "Listen, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. This is what it is." I am formally asking for your permission to utilize this content in my videos. And then they emailed me back and said, we appreciate you contacting us. You absolutely have the right to do this. Thank you very much. So you have written proof that you have permission to utilize that content, even if you're making money off of it. It's really that easy in a lot of cases. It's just you actually have to take the steps to do it. But no, I, I see what you're saying. Like, a lot of people jump into it and don't realize, like, the realities of, like, the legal hurdles that you might have to get through in order to actually, you know, be successful. And in then that they blame regard. YouTube on a YouTube video. Well, I think that that's actually just a statement of perhaps the person's maturity, which... To be fair, is part of the reason that I stopped watching Angry Joe because I just did not enjoy his videos very much. I, I've kind of stopped watching him as well. This, first of all, his videos are like forty-minute epics, and they yeah. just keep on repeating the same bullshit over and over and over again. But, but going slightly off-topic to to a certain degree, but yeah. um, but no, I mean overall, uh, I, I do absolutely believe that YouTube and gaming have sort of become very intertwined and i don't think that that's going to change no i don't think it's a bad thing like i said i like you had mentioned youtube has basically replaced tv for me where I, i watch more youtube videos on a daily basis than i think i ever watched television um And the vast majority of that content that I do watch is, of course, related to video games in some fashion or another. And a lot of it isn't necessarily even informative. It's just entertainment, really. So I want to see it continue because I enjoy it. Uh, And it is nice because there is still a relatively low bar for entry into it, which means that... Hopefully we'll continue to get a good, you know, cycle of uh, content creators oh, Jesus. coming through. And, um, you know, so we'll see some new ones come in and uh, hopefully, you know, see the ones that we already know and love continue doing their thing. Do you think that Are it's we- like an inevitable conclusion that every YouTuber is eventually just gonna sell out much in the way that a lot of people have complained about bands for decades I think it's gonna be a similar complaint with like with bands I think that
1: yeah yeah yes yes it's just gonna be like music bands it's gonna just be like music bands there's gonna you're gonna have small time YouTubers are gonna get to like uh 50,000 subscribers and then they're gonna start like hey everybody go to com and buy this stuff and go to com and see what's coming on LootCrate this month. And everyone's going to be like, sell out, sell out, sell out. I don't think you're a sell out until you're doing ads, taking ad revenue from YouTube, and then having a Patreon. And then when something gets a copyright claim, throw a fit like a child.
0: That That's when you're a sell out. I, I, think- I would say... Maybe, well, maybe that for me personally, I think that the cutoff for the sellout moniker would, like I said earlier, would be the moment that you start taking money to say something positive about a game that you are presenting that was supposed to be an unbiased viewpoint you are you are done like that's oh that's
1: not that's there's a different there's, there's a different word for that I can't think of the word but I mean you lose all integrity oh absolutely you have no credibility you're garbage that yeah. that's not even like like the band kisses are a bunch of sellouts <laughs> right yeah but there's there's a difference like they'll take endorsements and uh, Metallica is a bunch of sellouts <sighs> but there's a difference between being a sellout and like Having no credibility, just ruining your entire integrity, and saying you like something uh, when people are looking you to be like, I'm not looking at any of these guys to tell me whether or not Doritos or fucking Mountain Dew is good. Mm -hmm. They can tell me if something's available, and they can tell me whether or not they like it, and they may not like it. But you know what? I'm not looking to their opinion to know if Mountain Dew or Doritos are good. Not saying that that's what they're gonna fucking advertise, but that's you know our stereotype. But when um, I'm looking at them as, okay, okay, what did so-and-so think of the new Wii U game? And one guy says, oh, it's absolute trash. And I was like, oh, it's trash, trash, trash. And I play it I'm like, this isn't as bad as it was. Or everyone's like, oh, this game is fantastic. It's the best thing since sliced bread. You should go out and get it now. Spend the full $60. Don't wait for a sale because this thing's going to be amazing. You go out and you get it and like, wow, this thing is shit. I think that it's just more than YouTube community. How about all those positive reviews for, like, Assassin's Creed Unity?
0: Well, I mean, Or it's, all these
1: are, are documented games that have serious bugs and serious flaws, but the reviews come out the day of release, and they're all overwhelmingly positive.
0: Well, I think that that's just indicative of the, of the fact that this is a larger problem in, in media Ga- specifically. Well, more and-
1: gaming than any other form.
0: Uh, for maybe don't no no really gives a shit about music reviews. I mean, I, I I suppose. I mean, this is something that clearly we're more familiar with, so it's more prevalent, sure. Right. But like, uh, this has been an argument that's been made for you know like gaming magazines for years, and I think YouTube is now just like catching up to that point, basically. So. It's very possible that we might end up seeing a divide if it's not already happening where you're going to get like we said, uh, this thing similar to the music scene where you're going to have this weird schism between quote unquote underground bands who are like totally legit bro and then you're going to have like the ones that gain like a modicum of popularity and everybody cries sellout, which may or may not be true or accurate but i think you're going to start to see that and again i'm uh, i'm personally already seeing it with some of the youtubers that i've watched where they started out small and they seemed legit and then as time goes on, they start accepting more corporate deals and things get kinda skeezy and you can't, then you can't blame them too much either though, that's the tough part. Well, that is the tough part is you you can't like realistically if you stop and think and you put yourself in their shoes, you're like, Well, okay, I can see why you're doing this because you're trying to make a living by doing mm-hmm. this thing. And YouTube view money is not always going to support you. So I, I totally get that. But at the same time, as a consumer of that content, it's frustrating. It, it's frustrating and it starts to make you question the integrity, integrity yeah. of the people that you're watching, like you said. Now, do you think we're on a bubble? Do you think YouTube's on a bubble? Not yet. No. Um, I think they still have a ways to go. Well, I mean, if, if you're paying people ad revenue, like if you're, if you're, it seems like
1: if you get like 300,000 views per week, which is,
0: it's a pretty lofty goal, right? It seems like you get per that week. I right. mean, that's, well, i us say that's fairly low for even like mid tier, like
2: so let's, say let's, let's
0: say- players. Like for example, if you're using like somebody like game grumps, they get like two what? to 300,000 views per video. Okay. And they upload, like, three videos a day.
1: Okay, so let's go so. with, like, okay, going back to the Completionist. Mm, yeah. per, per week probably gets between three hundred and five hundred thousand and 500,000 views per week. It's gone down sure. since Greg left, right? Yeah, well, yeah. But during that time, like, even before that, like, it, when he was there a couple, like, a year or two ago, they were getting about two hundred fifty to 300,000 views per week. Yeah. And because he didn't have the second videos, he didn't have the decks, he didn't have all this extra stuff going on. But even then, he has to pay those guys for what they do. So let's say you get five hundred thousand views per week. That will be enough to. That's probably. It seems from people saying they can pay their bills and they can go in an apartment and live a single life. Mm-hmm. It's probably what about forty thousand dollars a year? About three hundred thousand uh, I mean, views a week. Maybe. I mean, I'm just guessing. I have no idea how much people make on YouTube. Uh, but here's it's, it's 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 enough to pay the bills and it's enough to do what you want to do. It's enough to make a. It's enough to make a living. So you get that many views per week. Okay, now block comes into it, right? Mm-hmm. So now those go away. Now you got to think that at what point do you have so many people with, this, with the inflated amount of subscriptions and at what point do you have so many people watching the same amount of videos and how, at what point do the advertisers start saying they're not getting the same return and not paying Google as much to advertise on their channels that Google starts looking at all the videos and all these content creators and starts (laughs) telling them, hey, we can't pay you the same amount because we're not getting the same money for the same amount. You know, at at some point, the bottom's got to fall out. If you have more and more people making videos every day, and you have more and more people getting more subs every day, and there's more views being made every day, the same, I mean, those people aren't going to be spending money on all these advertisements at some point it's going to have to backfire
0: well i mean i i mean i think as with anything there there is a saturation point sure um i don't think we've reached that yet i don't and i don't pretend to know what that point would be Will it inevitably happen? I want to say probably because I think everything has to reach a you know a breaking point, um, and with the explosion of growth that YouTube has had, particularly with game content, because I mean with the announcement of their YouTube gaming service here that they're you know introducing, one of the things in their statement was that uh, games uh, was. Uh, I think the number one searched thing on YouTube with like movies or something, music being music. the second, music being the second, and then movies like Frozen coming in like third or whatever. Well, but the
1: biggest channels, I think, are music channels.
0: Well, yeah, but like I think overall breadth of content is gaming, like by far. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there will be a saturation point, and yes, there's going to be a bubble that is probably going to burst. Um, I don't know when or how that's going to happen, and it'll certainly be interesting to see. But for right now, I think they're still on an upward trend. Well, YouTube isn't going
1: anywhere, that's for sure. Well, no. It's not going um, anywhere, and, and there is high-level quality content being put out there. And, there's, and the good thing about YouTube is that you can have people who are trying to get their product out there, who are pushing it through friends, and it, it might not be the highest quality, but they have you can put out a starting point. And you can start developing.
0: Still. You can well, still do that. Well, yeah. You might and, not be able to make a living off of it, but you can still get your stuff out there. Well, right. And that's what I was saying is that the the bar for entry is still low enough yes. that anybody can anybody can do it with, you know, a minimal amount of investment. And uh, as we had mentioned, you know, there are a number of people here locally that we know that are trying to do that and are making their way fairly successfully from what I've seen. And as we had also mentioned, depending on you know how uh, how this little podcasting venture of ours mm-hmm. goes, there's a possibility that we may start uh, recording these little sessions and throwing throwing our lot in with YouTube as well. So. So just stand by to see our review of the next Loot Crate box. Yes. (laughs) You can go to lootcrate.com and use the offer code RETROHANGOVER to get 10% off your subscription fee.
1: But really don't do that because that's not happening right now. Yeah,
0: that won't work.
1: We're talking about once we get on YouTube. And uh, we want you all to put $10 into our Patreon that does not
0: exist yet. Yeah. Dude, we are going to sell out so fucking hard. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Totally looking forward to it. But anyway, uh, thank you for joining us for this podcast today. I know we've had, uh, uh, it's been two weeks. We've had a week off. Uh, Again, this is July 13th. The beer of this week has been... It's also
0: June 13th. June 13th. As I go into talking about beer, that's why I said it was a different month. I mean, whatever. It's a month that starts it with is. J. It's, like, kind of close.
1: Tonight's beer was a Labat Blue yes. to celebrate the Stanley Cup final.
0: That's right. We, we had to drink the import, eh? But anyway,
1: thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next week.
0: Uh, As where? always. As always. If you have any uh, questions or yes. comments concerns, whatever you'd like to say to us, uh, you can always reach us uh, via email at podcast at retrohangover.com or uh, you can get in touch with us on our Facebook page. Yeah, which The Facebook page is this Retro Hangover Podcast.
1: Look it up and you'll be able to find it. For Chris Copleen, which is myself, and Shane Kosky, have a good week and see you next week. Happy
0: gaming!